0: New Year, welcome 2022. Jay here with the Over Manga Cast. I'm going to be kicking us off into this new year with Mermaid Saga Ningyo Shinzu by Takahashi Numiko. This week we read chapters one through 16, and on this episode we had a guest, a special guest, Lam Rama Yasha. Be sure to check their channel out, and let's the <laughs>
1: Hey, welcome back to the Overmoncast. I'm Matt. Uh, you'll notice there's no Sam and Jacob this week. Uh, they unfortunately fell down a well into an alternate dimension where they destroyed a Shikon Jewel Shard. They're actually supposed to be back by now, but they keep running into puppet clones. <laughs> Well, anyway, we've got a much better guest than them this week. We are joined today by Lum Ranmayasha, host of Manga Mavericks and also host of the Lum Squad. Uh, Lum, how you doing? I'm doing really well.
2: And yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm sorry to hear that they're off on this adventure. Those shards are just so tiny. There's so many pieces. They'll be on that adventure forever. I- uh, if only they could find like a piece of mermaid's flesh uh, to ingest and... That'll help them keep up their journey for a long time so they can actually manage to find all the shards. Because good lord knows that they'll just be at it forever otherwise. They might not find them all before they, you
1: know. Oh man, Lum, did you go to school for segues? Because that brings us right into Mermaid Saga. <laughs> <laughs> at the top of the show, we always like uh, going around and um, asking everyone what their familiarity is with the series. So uh, since you're our guest today, uh, Lum, uh, how are you familiar with Mermaid Saga?
2: Yeah, so as my username probably suggests, I'm a big fan of the works of Rumiko Takahashi, and I'd read this series when I was really getting into her works about 10-ish years ago, and really enjoyed it. It stands out in Takahashi's oeuvre as like a true horror comedy with some like really serious kind of gritty action. This is a uh, storytelling that Takahashi would expand upon in Inuyasha and now currently Mao. But whereas there's some more lighthearted moments and bits of comedy in those series, Mermaid Saga like stands out for how really serious it is for the most part and not a lot of levity. And that's kind of what makes it cool for a creator that is so often known for like her wacky romantic comedies. And that's what I really appreciated. It. it was like a lot of fun to kind of have this opportunity to revisit it because it also represents just such a really cool point in takahashi's art career and art development because man like her illustrations in the book are just so beautiful and it really is like kind of the peak of takahashi's artistry in my opinion least the aesthetic that i love most and yeah so yeah that's basically my relationship to it in a nutshell oh
1: cool uh yeah um matt here um i did not know this existed until you suggested it, so um, this was a completely new read for me. Uh, I was, yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of it before and uh, read all of it. Uh, and finally, Jay, uh, did you know anything about Mermaid Saga jumping in?
0: So I actually had come across Mermaid Saga in passing. I had been a huge fan back in the day of Inuyasha. However. And I'll go into greater detail about this. I have a gripe with it being termed Mermaid Saga. I prefer the original uh, Ningyo no Mori because I feel like it connotes a more... Uh, that horror-terror genre, and that's kind of where I gravitated towards with my manga journey. So I feel like I would have picked this up much earlier had it been, you know, more connotated with the horror-supernatural genre as opposed to, oh, light-hearted mermaid saga. You know, I thought it was, like, more cheery about mermaids and... And that. So kind of I feel like it was a misnomer. Um, so unfortunately, while I would still consider myself a fan of Mimiko Takahashi's work, it was bypassed for so many years because of the title.
2: Well, that's interesting. Well, Ninko Nomori really referred to just Mermaid's Forest. The title of the collective series in Japan is Ningyo Shirizu, uh, which does kind of more directly translate to like Mermaid Stories and Mermaid Saga. Uh, but, yeah, though I, I do, I would think that, yeah, like based on the name, like the sense of eeriness in some of the chapters and some of the stories, like they do convey more of a sense that, oh, these are horror stories rather than saga, which doesn't quite say, well, this is a collection of stories, but it doesn't quite tell as much that, oh, these are horror titles in the same way that Mermaid's Mask or Mermaid's Scar, or Mermaid's Forest does.
1: The one thing I will bring up is uh, we uh, had the collector's edition, at least I did. I was reading that and uh, the cover of that does not let you know this is a horror manga at all. It's um, in all fairness, it's probably trying to capitalize on her like other works and try and portray like more of a they're just cute characters. And it's, Yeah, uh, and that's it, kind of mm-hmm. why
0: I my upset was it being marketed more so as Mermaid Saga and then the cover on top of it. I just feel it wasn't appropriately marketed, at least for myself, because I would have picked this up, as I said, much earlier had it been connoted with. It's not just your typical, you know, late 80s, early 90s type romance comedy.
2: Yeah, no, the covers, yeah, they focus on more beautiful oysters. I really like the collector's editions, but yeah, like it doesn't, really tell you that oh no these stories are actually quite dark i think the covers of like kind of the previous editions kind of got that moodiness more across the previous uh, volume releases in the 2000s but yeah like the covers they they're really beautiful i think uh with the illustrations it shows in the backgrounds but yeah they just show like mon on the cover and they don't really indicate to you like oh these are dark stories you're going to see some really creepy stuff and some really brutal violence in this.
1: Hey, did you like uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon? Do I have 12 chapters for you?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know you're going to see some grotesque monsters for
1: sure. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So yeah, I guess we can uh, jump right in. Um, Conveniently, the uh, individual stories um, actually have their own names, so we can go by those because it's a little easier than chapter numbers. We first start off with the story titled A Mermaid Never Smiles where we cut into the main character you'll see on the cover, uh, Mana. From what we're depicted, she's basically being treated as like some kind of princess in this village. She has been bedridden for the previous few years at this point, because her caretaker tells her she has some kind of illness. It is indicated that she used to be able to go outside more often, but that has been restricted from her more and more, probably because she's sick. Matt said, doing air quotes as if that means anything for a podcast. Uh, Mm
2: -hmm. More so, they have a reason for not wanting her to leave.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: That too, but I thought it was also alluded to in this first chapter here that at least it shows the image of her being carried on her back. So it was not just that she was sick, it's also she's grown significantly and they can't carry her any
2: longer. And there's also the implication that perhaps she's always had her as we later find out, her feet bound. Like, yeah. they've always have kind of been kind of raising her, you know, they've been pampering her, but they have been essentially, like, raising her, you know, like, cattle for slaughter, so.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, they are, be, they are like, trying to, you know, treat her well and make her grow up healthy, but at the same time, they also don't want her to, like, run for her own escape or anything happen to her, because of their purposes.
1: Yeah, and I think Jay brings up a good point. It might actually just be a physical necessity at this point, because they are a village of aging women. Like, they're all older women at this point, with a few exceptions. So maybe the, like, likelihood of being able to carry an almost 15-year-old girl is probably not realistic anymore.
0: Essentially, it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B of, we physically can't carry you, but we're also not trying to encourage you to leave the village. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it would take a great deal of effort as they mentioned later that if they are to take her out, they are going to like put her in a caravan to carry mm-hmm. her cuz yeah, she's like a full grown a girl right now so yeah, she's well, pretty heavy.
1: Yeah, she she is um on the eve of her 15th birthday is where the story starts which um is basically indicate there's some necessity to that number um they don't really dive into it they don't really need to that is just the age they have decided that something needs to happen because uh, uh all of the women gather in like a torchlit meeting where they come to the conclusion that the oldest amongst them needs to die because essentially mana is to be fed the flesh from her a woman by the name of aya uh has She offers herself up, I believe, pretty willingly in that she Mm -hmm. has lived the longest. So it is her flesh that should be taken. And we get revealed that um, she strips down and goes into the water. And upon being in the water is speared to death, where it's revealed that she is a mermaid. Mm -hmm. I believe they decapitate her.
2: No, the nanny cuts a piece of her flesh from her tail fin.
1: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay.
0: Which raises questions. And this is a question I have throughout the series. Why does the mermaid have to die? Well,
2: they don't necessarily have to die. They can take a still-living piece of their flesh. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's also illuminated a little later into the reading, but it was just really interesting that this person had to be offered as a complete sacrifice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a ritual sacrifice kind of thing that, you know, they kill the oldest among them to, you know, feed the person who's going to, like, embody the mute of the next you know generation of the mermaids
1: yeah i i gave this first chapter some leeway when it came down to their mermaid lore because this kind of feels like it was a separate story that then got turned into a series
2: yeah well i I guess i want to also kind of mention the interesting publication history of mermaid saga It's that it's not it didn't run like as a a continuous series in the same way like a lot of other like weekly serialized works were Mm-hmm. Mermaid Saga was published as an anthology series over the course of, like, many years. Basically, awesome. Takashi would write one of these stories, like, yearly. She would take a break from, at the time, she was still doing, like, Yurisuyasha of Maisonogoku concurrently when she first started this. So she'd take a break for those for, like, a week. And then she'd write these stories. And then the next year, she'd continue and do a new installment of it. And it was, there was, like, sometimes a two-year break between these, and basically this continued on from 1984 all the way to, like, 1993, or yeah. 1994. So over the course of 10 years, like, these 16 chapters were published, like, roughly a story every year. So Takashi was clearly, like, revisiting like the lore she created in this first chapter and then expanding on it each year as she returned to it. But uh, it's interesting in that way that you also see kind of a little bit of an evolution in like her concept of the ideas through the story progresses and also the art and mm-hmm. setting.
1: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause that was my reading was um, it, cause normally you can tell when there's a difference between like a mangaka just doesn't care about their lore and is making it up on the fly. And When there's been a significant gap of time that things just kind of misalign slightly. And Mermaid Mm -hmm. Saga definitely fell in like second half of that. Like, okay, it's still the same basic idea, you've just skimmed it a little.
2: Yeah, these were like written as like one-off stories initially. I don't think she even had the idea that she'd bring Mana back uh, for future installments. Mm -hmm. But then she decided to do that in the third story onward, but... You clearly see that she kind of solidifies and um, the rules of how it works, but in this first mm-hmm. chapter, you know, it's just probably written as like a kind of a self-contained thing. So it works for what it needs to in the context of it, but not yeah. with much thought for the future.
1: Yeah, because there, there was definitely the uh, the part of my brain that's the same part of my brain of going like, how would I survive this horror movie? Was uh, going in full gear on this, going like now. Nope. Hold on, if you've got to kill a mermaid to make, you'd think you'd want to like maximize the amount of people you could feed. But and then I'm like, hold on. (laughs) It's a magic mermaid ritual. It doesn't have to make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Aya is sacrificed. Her meat is cut off. And um, the next day, Maya is served the piece of mermaid flesh and she eats it. Just seems to actually go about relatively unscathed, which uh, really good for her. But like going through the rest of the series, like what an amazing rarity that is. (laughs)
3: No, it's, a... it's
1: like a
2: one in a thousand, once in thousand years kind of thing that someone in doesn't react to the mermaid's flesh so violently. So they really managed to pick someone who had a good constitution to adapt to the flesh.
1: We, we've we kind of skimmed over this, but uh, occasionally we've been checking out with a uh, character named uh, Utah, who has been wandering the mountain outside of the village. Uh, Up until this point in the story, he hasn't really been doing anything other than we get panels showing he's there. Um, It's finally uh, right after Mana has eaten the mermaid flesh that uh, Yuta asks for directions from a group of old women in the forest, uh, prompting possibly one of my favorite panel exchanges in this entire read, where essentially he's... Hey, I'm looking for some directions. And then the old women, rather than immediately answering his question, go, Do you have any friends or family who would care if you went missing? And he just goes, Well, I mean, no. And then they stab him.
3: Yeah, it's
1: pretty great how quick they are. As soon
2: as he says, No, I'm all alone. They just immediately stab him. And then just keep stacking him until he's like a bloody
1: mess. Yep. And I'm just like, Oh, Yuta, you you just answered that question without any like concern. or Nope. Yeah, no. No one would miss me if I was gone. I'll buy my lonesome out here. Um, and then uh, that also brings up my second favorite running thing in Mermaid Saga is uh, corpse pits. Mm-hmm. People just always have a corpse pit handy because that's where Yuta gets thrown.
2: <laughs> Don't you? Corpse pits <laughs> and dungeons. Uh, everyone in Japan.
0: Again, I would have check this out so much earlier it was like connotated <laughs> that this was how dark it was
1: it needed to be on the back yeah. of the panel corpse pits everywhere and every family in japan has a personal dungeon
0: i mean Another, no yeah. but sure
2: <laughs> yeah no the cover should have been you to waking up and seeing like the di- corpse of a mermaid blinding yep. or in there the, could have like... been like
0: one of the lost souls or like a transforming mermaid like in the background behind her
1: or something,
0: mm. so it wouldn't look so flowery and like mm-hmm. demure.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, uh, We have kind of skimmed around a bit, but if you didn't do your reading, shame on you. Um, Yuta's an immortal, so uh, all that stabbing didn't do much. Uh, he woke but up. It probably a... felt good. Probably you know. not. I don't know. I, they not feel for pain. Him. I'm
0: talking about for them. You know, get uh-huh. some of that stress. Get some of that stress out. You know. <laughs> I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. they seem pretty eager to kill. <laughs> Well, at least they do the smart thing of asking, do you have anyone who would miss you? Mm -hmm. But um, no, uh, Yuta wakes up to um, face to face with essentially the mermaid's corpse. Uh, Yuta's entire journey he's been on is to find a mermaid, and he got so close. Uh, Mm -hmm. But... Where you find the corpse of a mermaid, you can assumedly find a mermaid. Amana is being taken out because it is her 15th birthday. She's eaten the flesh of a mermaid and she is not a horrible monster, which uh, is good. Uh, she is being taken where she is not quite sure, but everyone else is firmly in the plan that she is going to be cut up and eaten. I'm not 100% sure if that's revealed right now, but it gets revealed soon enough.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit later.
1: Yeah, yeah but uh then Lute, uh luta no uh mm-hmm. uta breaks into the procession with a headless mermaid body <laughs> and mm-hmm. throws it on the ground and <laughs> straight to the point yeah. it's just like mm-hmm. hey there's a dead mermaid here i need to know about mermaids and they're like that's the guy we killed quick kill him again <laughs> And, uh, in the confusion of this entire village just being ready to murder someone on the, like, drop of a hat, Yuta grabs Mana and just takes her as a hostage and runs. That's when he... Finds out that her
2: feet have been bound. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because she was in like a, a palisade. Yeah, something Palakin. That's what those palisades well, are. palisades are.
2: different. No, thing. Uh, wooden shackles. Palakin was is like kind of a carriage. They were going to carry her on.
1: Right. She hadn't got put on one. Yet. Okay. Whatever. Um. But yeah, she's her feet are bound together. Is the main thing. And he's just like that's well that that explains a lot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, this is also where we get the exposition that um, someone who eats the flesh of a mermaid is immortal. Well, they can be harmed, actually. They can't die, which is the basically the theme of this entire saga is like, yeah, you live forever. But like a lot of things can still hurt you.
2: Immortality can be still a painful and lonely existence. Not mm-hmm. all it's cracked up to be. Often the theme of many an immortality style. Yep.
1: Yeah. And uh, Yuta's whole thing is he wants to find a mermaid so that he can um, not be immortal anymore.
0: Which is counter to the current lore, which is you need to find a mermaid in order to potentially be immortal. Mm. The potentially part is not really advertised so much.
2: Yeah. I- I mean, like, he really doesn't know, like, if finding a a mermaid will help him, but he's hopeful. Because, like, the elder in his village, you know, when he was fraught with, like, the, you know, fact that he was aging, but his wife wasn't aging, and Mm -hmm. he's feeling terrified about that. She just recommends, well, like, maybe a mermaid can help him. Maybe a mermaid has an answer for you. So he's been searching all this time in hopes of an answer, in hopes that, like, a mermaid can tell him. That, oh, there is a way. And unfortunately, oh. these mermaids are not so helpful.
0: Yeah. Well, they are helpful because don't they have a conversation addressing exactly that, that unfortunately they can't reverse it? Yeah, well, these mermaids
2: uh, don't have a good answer for him. They say, like, oh, we don't have, like, a, a solution. Because actually the person he talks to isn't even the mermaid. It is the nanny
3: mm-hmm. who yeah.
2: is, like, himself, who is just, like, you know, someone who would eat in the mermaid's ledger and now it's, like, an immortal and, like, so they don't have an answer, but the, uh, the journey they're still going on is to, like, find a way to undo their immortality. And so they're hoping to meet a mermaid or someone who knows how to do that.
0: How I interpreted the scene was the fact that even though she was not a mermaid herself, she spent enough time around the mermaids and basically told them there is no way to become a normal human being again. Just flat out. The only solution is death. I mean, she didn't find
2: a way and her mermaids didn't tell her anything. But, I mean, they're still going on the journey to find a way and to hope that there is a mermaid out there who knows an answer. Because there are clearly different mermaids out there as we meet in the next story with Asago, who, you know, has, like, a kind of different lifestyle than these mermaids. So, like, they, so like the, the series never, like, ends up getting to the point where they end up finding someone who knows an answer, but like that's kind of the, the kind of idea of their journey. But yeah, that's like the tragedy of the Nanny's character is like she doesn't know any other way to live other than alongside these mermaids helping them maintain their youth forever while well, and just living as part of their community.
1: And like um like the big thing that this group of mermaids they're with, because all these women are mermaids, spoilers. Um <laughs> is uh these group of people don't seem to even know that uh decapitating someone kills an immortal because during this first chapter what they keep saying is there's a special poison you can make from a rotting mermaid's carcass mixed with herbs and that kills immortals and to them that's the only way which uh considering how everyone else in the series (laughs) tells them no you just cut their head off probably a, a narrative decision but also it like In the context of the narrative as a whole, like, no, these mermaids just didn't know everything. They thought this was how you did it.
2: Yeah, there are really two methods in order to kill immortals and mermaids. It's like the capitation and then the mermaid poison, the poison made from soaking like a mermaid's corpse in like various poisons. And Mm -hmm. yeah, we really see as the series goes on, them leaning more on the capitation more so than the poison.
1: Because it requires less mermaid corpses as fuel, because, like... <laughs> Those are kind of in short supply. <laughs> it's like, if the only way to kill your enemies is to kill one of your own to boil into a... Like, oh, well. Yeah, Utah came back to the village because they fell down a hole. They ran into the uh, horrible fish monsters, uh, referred to as Lost Souls. And these are people who eat the mermaid flesh, and then um, it goes bad. Which is 999 times out of 1,000, you turn into the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and pretty much immediately what ran through my head was just, you know, Disney's Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> you poor, unfortunate souls. Mm-hmm. Poor, unfortunate souls. Make
3: your
1: okay. choice. <laughs> this, this one really made your choice. This one wanted to be taller, and he got that wish. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, um,. They fall down the hole where this village has been farming young women is revealed also in the next scene. Uh, So Mm -hmm. essentially what's happened is they kidnap a bunch of girls every... It's when they say they start to get old. So I think probably like every hundred years, although it's probably maybe a little more often than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And they raise them up and then they feed them the mermaid flesh. And because it's literally only one out of every thousand times... They just have an entire water cave network of these lost souls living below the village because they still desperately want mana. They run into a woman named uh, Kajika, who um, has a poison-tipped spear, which is the way they kill the lost soul, but she gets horribly injured in the fight. So Yuta says, I am going to bring her back to get medical treatment because Yuta is just a good guy, and also he desperately wants to know about mermaids, and there are at this point, pretty obviously a village full of mermaids.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: As long as he's not bringing mana back to them, he's pretty much okay. Uh, yeah. And that's when he has the conversation with the caretaker, where it's revealed, um, hey, I'm looking for a way to die. And she goes, well, that's just easy. Cut off your own head or drink this mermaid poison. And he's like, no, 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 I want to die a different way. And she's like, yeah, I i mean, cool, but... Uh... <laughs> And he's like, I know it's a weird request, OK?
2: Yeah, I mean, Utah wants to be able to age and live like a normal person. So that's what he wants. He wants to die a natural death rather than, you know, just be killed. Yeah. And that's kind of the journey they're on is to find a way to be able to just grow old.
1: Uh, that scene is ended with the caretaker going like, are you sure I've got a poison spear right here? And then stabs him. <laughs> hmm. And uh Yuta is then dying as he has been poisoned with a mermaid poison that kills immortals.
2: And at the same time, Mana has been trying to walk again. And yeah. So at first, like, Yuta has left her behind because she has tried to stand up and she doesn't really, as you see, she, like, flops over again. So he thinks she's safe because she can't move anyway. So he leaves yeah. her behind. It's really miraculous. Mana just, I guess, through great determination, like she kind of wills herself to like learn to walk after so long just of being combined in bed. I would like to think that probably the fact that she ate the mermaid flesh might have helped her out in terms of like mm-hmm. healing those muscles. And so that probably helped her kind of uh, recover quickly. But
1: yeah. this was also uh, kind of what spurred my theory that the leg shackles were a recent thing as mm-hmm. she was getting older they said oh you've come down with an illness let's keep your legs like cuz that way it's at least a little bit more believable that she remembered how to walk because yeah. again horror movie brain kind of going through i'm like well if you really wanted them to be like incapable of walking away from you you would just never teach them how to walk right like yeah so it's i i think that, that that's at least why i think the shackling was a more recent thing but yeah
2: Probably only in the last couple of years since, like, she has, she is weak enough that it's, like, takes some effort, but, you know, it's not impossible. She knows how to do it. So, yeah, but it's because she starts walking and that she encounters uh, women from the village, including Mm -hmm. Kajika, and they take her, they capture her and take her back to the main estate where she encounters Yuta being stabbed.
1: That starts the long chain of events in Mermaid Saga of either Yuta or Mana running into a scene just as the others in danger. And I mm. love it because it happens yeah. every single story.
2: <laughs> they both all have up like rescue each other from like yeah. imminent death and certain danger. So it's a very cool action scene. Yeah. And escape sequences.
1: Yeah. And uh, through some actions, um, the uh, house starts burning down. And in an escape, they find themselves back in the corpse pit slash water caves. Yuta is still dying because he's poisoned and just goes like, no, Mana, you have to suck the poison out.
0: Yeah. And she, <laughs> and she somehow knows how to do this. Yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, all she has to do is, like, I guess, suck it out from the wound, I guess. You know, shaky logic, but it
1: works. It's 80s movie logic, like, no, I got bit by a mm-hmm. snake, you got to suck the poison out. But yeah. unrelated, um, that uh, that strip of clips of panels together, uh, that's going in my bank of, like, no context uh, manga
3: posts. <laughs> because it's
1: just like, no, you've got to suck it out. And then it's just a look of Mana going like, what? And then just... <laughs> <laughs> so with the poison gone, Yuta starts healing naturally, but that's not enough time because the mermaids have decided that, well, if they're in the caves, we can just flood them out with our mermaid magic. And they do some form of ritual that causes the caves to fill with water. Mm -hmm. Uh, At which point they are flushed. uh, Yuta and Mana are flushed out into the open ocean where they begin being attacked by the mermaids who are now in like full mermaid form with their uh, horrible fish mouths. The main thing is uh, we kind of skimmed over it because it's kind of a minor detail. You probably wouldn't, Immediately notice, uh, Yuta makes note when he first enters the village that all the women appear to have the same face. And when one of the mermaids bites Mana, she drinks some of her blood, and then her face is Mana's face. Yuta responds to that with, like, that's not your face, and stabs that mermaid through the chest. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Oh, no, he oh. stabs
2: her through the face. Would oh, yeah, be yeah, better?
1: yeah. That's right. Yuta stabs a lot of mermaids. I'm. Utah has a very large kill count in this monk. (laughs) Yeah, and a very large death count, both him and. I mean, when you're immortal, <laughs> mortal. Mm-hmm. Yuta is fighting a whole bunch of mermaids underneath the water. And then eventually he and Mana get up onto the shore where the caretaker is waiting for them, who kind of essentially just expositions away the end of the story, which is that um, you two are free to go. You're no longer in the water anymore. And they've already turned into mermaids They're Once they have turned into their beast form, there is no getting them back to like the Pretending to be human form,
3: mm-hmm.
1: so I guess I'm stuck here with them because I've already lived my life in service to them. I am immortal, but she obviously ate at a much older age because she's a very old woman. Yeah. So she is saying I have been complicit in this activity. This is my punishment: is to watch over them until I guess eternity ends because she's not dying. So
2: yeah. A somber ending of self exile for this character.
1: Yep, and uh,
2: you get the you indication t- that in her own way she did kind of care f- about Mana as she was raising her, like even yep. beyond like raising her for just nourishment. Mm-hmm. In many ways, like her attempt to like kill Mango Mana was like this idea of a mercy kill because she, you know, having mm-hmm. lived this immortal life that's been so painful, didn't really want Mana to be subjected to that either. But of course, Mana is determined to live.
1: Yeah. And like um, the the end of this chapter actually has like one of my favorite scenes between uh, Yuta and Mana is as they're leaving the village. Yuta's kind of just going on about like, yeah, well, I had a wife and like I've lived 500 years. So uh, living forever kind of sucks. I guess that's your existence now. And Mana, who's new to the whole thing, is just like, yeah, but, you know, I mean, we can keep doing different things until we eventually get bored of it. And hey, maybe we'll actually find a way to cure this thing. But if not, you know, hanging out until existence becomes a chore doesn't sound too bad.
2: Yeah, like life is full of hardships, but in continuing to live, you'll find good things, too. You'll be able to find like new things to make meaning of. Mm-hmm. And what's good about the ending and it's good for these characters is that now they have each other to kind of spend their lives with in terms of like someone, you know, who also is immortal like themselves. And that's like something that so many other characters will meet in series are like afraid of. They're afraid of Mm -hmm. being alone, a lonely immortal existence, the worst thing. So that's kind of what makes the central relationship between the characters kind of special is that like by having a companionship, having someone to rely on, it kind of makes living more worthwhile. Yeah.
1: One thing I want to point out, though, is if uh, w- when we get through like other people who are stuck with his exact same fate, because uh, we got Yuta's backstory at the very beginning of this. Um, he lived in a mortal existence with his wife until she was like 80. So he's got like 70 years of maintaining a relationship as an immortal, which compared to every mm-hmm. other immortal character we run into has got to be like a high score.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so We
2: don't know how many like... <laughs> relationships Masato's had with, like,
1: different butter figures uh, later on, but... He might be up there, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh it's definitely close.
0: I think on that note, it's probably a case of, and I don't mean this to use this as a disparaging term, but if broken people are given immortality, they remain broken. But if you are given it to someone who generally is seriously injured and generally is a good person, as most things turn out, this good person continues to be a good person no matter what. And that's why he's able to maintain healthy relationships, maintain the longest the longest relationship, and is still able to continue to um, not only want to better himself, but to better those around him. He takes on odd jobs. Whenever he interacts with people, he tries to... Um, protect them and bring out their best and everything like that. And people gravitate towards him, whereas the others are kind of outlaws or, or, or in some way, fractured from society.
1: Or children.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a wonderful point. Yuja yeah. is a participant in the world, even mm-hmm. though, like, he can't stay in one place for too long. He still, like, yeah, gets involved with mm-hmm. other people and communities. Whereas other Immortals that we meet in the series are live more isolated existences and oftentimes they became Immortals through very traumatic circumstances that kind of messed them up. Mm. Whereas Yuta was definitely like kind of disturbed by all his uh, friends like dying from eating the flesh but him still living on and then
3: Mm.
2: kind of the sadness of his wife like becoming afraid of him as she aged but he didn't. But because he had... Spent so long around other people in Wick community, he kind of has more of a healthy mindset about living and interacting with other people Mm -hmm. than others who are like incredibly desperate for companionship and do twisted things in order to secure
1: it. Anyway, that's the first story in this anthology. Uh, The next one is uh, The Village of the Fighting Fish which is Yuta's backstory. It doesn't explicitly say that at the beginning, but you can pick that up because it's a historical piece. This appears to be like 300 years in the past. And then at one point, Yuta says he's been an immortal for 200 years. So some quick math is it's it's 300 years ago.
2: Yeah, this is like Sengoku period where it's like the first story, like the main timeline takes place through the from the 80s through the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like... This story, Village of Fighting Fish, and then the Ash Princess one are like flashbacks to a time like hundreds of years ago where Yuta hadn't met Mana yet.
1: This one actually starts off a little bit different in that it focuses fully on a character by the name of Rin, who is a young girl, is probably a fair statement. Um... I want to say she's probably around 15, just because that's what she looks like, who is the captain of a pirate-not-pirate pirate vessel. They do the <laughs> thing you see in children's media all the time, like, no, we're the good pirates. We only extort money from people, but we don't There's, kill them.
0: We're charging a toll, you know, a yeah. toll. It's not see?
2: Toll for traveling through our territory.
1: Yeah. That- yeah. They're they're pirates, but they're good pirates as opposed to the evil pirates who are the um pirates from Sakagami uh Sakagami Island uh because they pass by them in the water and they're like, "Hey, how's the piracy business going?" "Oh, it's good. We got about 10% of their lo- That's a lot of blood on your ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Essentially, they kind of set the scene for what's happening here. Uh, what also sets the scene is when Rin returns home, her younger brother and sister are like, hey, another dead body washed up on shore. And Rin just goes, again, that happens all the time. Oh, man, this guy looks pretty cute, too. Oh, well, shame he's dead like everyone else. Go bury him. <laughs> With the and there's like a mass grave of people who have been washing up dead on shore. And you're like, yeah, piracy is doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. And it's all leading to the mystery because the Sakagami pirates are often among the bodies that are washed up. So that's what makes Reen suspicious that they may be looking for the mermaid.
1: And it also follows the theme that if there is a female character who's not mana, she needs to find Yuta attractive. Wait, hold on. Does that track through all of them? It tracks through I mean, a lot of them. It's more than once.
2: Well, he she doesn't really find him attractive at first, he just comments on how young he was. But later, as the story develops, like she does grow feelings
1: for him. Mm-hmm. She does just compliment the fact that, oh man, his body's perfectly preserved, like as mm-hmm. opposed to cut up. Yes. <laughs> That's Jay's criteria. Perfectly preserved. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Rin, uh, it, you, we get revealed, the reason she's captain of this pirate vessel is uh, she is the daughter of the former captain who is lying on his deathbed? Um, a fact he's more aware of than she really wants to be Uh, Mm -hmm.
0: understandably so I mean that is her father yeah
1: Yeah. and essentially what she's saying is um, I know those Sakagami pirates they are hunting for mermaids they must be and if they can find the flesh of a mermaid I'm gonna feed it to you that way you're not going to die and he's just like maybe maybe don't do that and she's like no I'm gonna do that and he's like (laughs) okay, you're not going to find one anyway, so... But...
2: (laughs) She comes from a good place of, like, not wanting her only father to die, just wanting him to live. But, you know, he's kind of made peace with the ephemerality of his life.
1: Yeah, because he's just like, I don't really have to worry about you. You're clearly excelling in your job. Mm -hmm. You're respected by the village. Like, you really don't need me anymore. So,
3: yeah.
2: I mean, she's coming to her own as the leader of the village, but she. Mm-hmm.
1: But she is...
0: still wants her daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. We cut to, um, for the first time in a lot of times, Yuta digging himself out of a grave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where uh, they then re- get revealed um, that Yuta uh, isn't dead anymore. And he explains that he was hired by a woman named uh, Isago, who wants him to hunt a mermaid for her. Essentially, um, he's revealed that he's immortal. He's eaten the flesh of a mermaid, and he took the job because he wants to find another mermaid so he can not be immortal anymore. But because uh, Yuta's a good guy. Um, He immediately bails on the thing he was hired to do to just help out around the village because um, Rin says something along the lines of, yeah, there's probably a mermaid out there. And if you stay around here, you'll maybe find one, I guess. And you well just he like...
2: tries to leave uh by boat uh, to yeah, yeah. kinda of find the place where the mermaid is. But then Rin like he's in leaving and she like tries to dive and catch up to him, even though she's wearing armor, she, she, yep. she like sings like a rock to the surface and still going to swim. But yeah, basically like when Yuta goes to <laughs> kind of rescue her, that's when she like says, you know, you just say around here uh, and help us out, and then like Maybe later we'll go look for them.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. That's right. I, that's a really good scene. I can't remember for why I forgot that. Because um, mm-hmm. she just sinks straight to the bottom.
2: It's funny that she, even when she's
1: like sunk way to the bottom of the ground, she's like still trying to swim. Yeah, <laughs> like she, She's like mid-doggy yeah. paddle, like yeah. belly on the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> like, Yuda's pretty much just, like, fit into domestic life. He's going about shopping and everything, uh, when eventually this has clearly been going on for long enough that um, the woman Isago is like, hey, where's the guy I hired to solve my problem for me? Sees him walking around and decides to stab him because she comes to the correct but the wrong way to get there, conclusion that he's eaten the flesh of a mermaid. So he must have found a mermaid and not told her. Well, what
2: tips her off is that one of the kids is selling the mermaid scale that washed up on the beach alongside him. Mm-hmm. Then in, like, kind of, the kid leads them back to uh, Utah and Rin, and then she sees Utah's alive, and then she tests her theory that he might have been an immortal or by, like, stabbing him with her hairpin,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and
2: then she notices, like, the, the wound heal.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, because she, she well... Does she notice he's healed when she comes back that night? Because she she comes back to um, Rin's house and notices he's not, like, injured anymore. Because I don't think he heals immediately.
3: Yeah. Well, I think she had already
2: been yeah, suspicious. Yeah, she, she doesn't really comment outright
3: mm-hmm.
2: whether she has noticed that, or, oh, there's something interesting. But I think she has her Mm suspicions regardless
1: because of the situation Yeah, regardless she went to go grab a sword and confronts him again later that night over um, Rin's dying father Um, and there's a great exchange where Yuta's just like I'm immortal you literally can't threaten me with anything you can only kill me and that's it she's like but I can threaten other people and stabs Rin's father and I'm like I mean you to come up what do you think was going to happen buddy <laughs> oh brag
0: but like don't humble brag of like oh i'm immortal so you won't be able to hurt me
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Nothing else is like you i don't think that his her, <laughs> the dad is going to be able to recover from that wound as easily
1: as you and one of my favorite chapter breaks cuz a lot of these longer stories are like two chapters split over a single break is you're like is Isiko stabs him through the chest and is like, you need to find me the flesh of a mermaid or he will die. Dun mm-hmm. dun dun, end of chapter break. And then you're like, oh no, are they gonna have to hurry and rush? And then the very beginning of the next chapter is mana going, like, oh no, you don't, grabbing the sword and kills Isako. And I'm like, Yeah. You're wow. That was great. Might like, not mana Rin. Rin, um, yeah.
3: But mana. No. She
1: she had strong <laughs> mana energy in that scene.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Look, if I- if I need a character in this manga to grab a knife and stab someone unprompted, Mana is-
0: Yeah, she had, had very strong Mana Mana. <laughs> I-
1: I was gonna say top tier, but then I'm like, wait, no, one character outranks her, but probably not on purpose. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so Isago is dead. We head out to the
2: location of where yeah, yeah. the mermaid is, which yeah, is, yeah. like, past, like, a rough current in Whirlpool. Mm-hmm. And the Sakagami pirates are lying in wait for them for them to lead the way to the mermaid.
1: Yep. And they go into the middle of a whirlpool. Yuta finds the mermaid just swimming down there and starts chasing it. Um, unfortunately, the pirates attack, kidnap Rin. She's severely outnumbered. There's little effort there. Um, and then start throwing spears into the water and then hit both the mermaid and um, Yuta.
0: It's okay since he's immortal as he'll tell everyone.
1: Yes, he, he does tell everyone that going Again. forward. Again. Yeah. He
0: gets it out of the way. <laughs> oh. But
2: at this point, like, the Sakagami pirates don't know, so they, yeah, like, yeah. take his course back and they just throw it over the cliff on their island. Because yep. they think he's dead for good.
1: Which is interesting that they took the body to the cliff to dump off rather than just not bring it in the boat.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's a Look. bit of a convenience.
1: It's Mermaid Saga. If you have a corpse, you need to dump it into something. You can't just leave it Mm. be. Yeah, so they bring it back. Um, Rin is captured. She is just there with a guard who decides to sexually assault her, but is stopped by Isago being alive and saying, no, don't do that. Stop. What? What's wrong with you? And meanwhile, Rin's like, wait, no, I killed you. And she's like, yeah, I'm immortal.
0: (laughs) In case you didn't know. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, Oh, by the way, uh, I'm actually a mermaid, and mermaids are immortal. Oh, wait, no, she's not. Wait.
0: Yeah, she is. She specifically she, says that she's like a land mermaid, and there are some others yeah. that live in the yeah, water.
1: Mermaids don't have or, tail, and then... Two
2: legs. No, so she's a type of mermaid that has two legs. She, She's like kind of the mermaids that we meant in the previous chapter. Like, when they live on land, they have two legs. But in her case... When she is like about to give birth in that form, Uh, she can carry a child for like nearly three years. But when she's about to give birth, then she needs nourishment. She needs the flesh of like a mermaid from the sea.
1: I don't think they reveal she's a mermaid in this scene, do they? I think they reveal a light.
0: She references the fact that there are different types of mermaids, first step. And second, that she has two legs because she's questioned on that before. And she's like, yeah, there are mermaids who have two legs who live on land. And I believe this is the same scene, but she alludes to the fact that they feed on other mermaids.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the mermaids of the sea, which we know from the first chapter are the women who, when they change form, they can no longer change back. So those mermaids that yeah. have turned into horrible fish people, they're essentially food for the other mermaids. Mm-hmm. And what she says is, um, I am pregnant with the child of a man who." Her
0: previous husband,
1: her, her previous, previous husband,
2: husband, who was who, killed by the Sakunai Pirates. Yeah, talk so, about
0: revenge.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's all a big, elaborate revenge team from the saga, which, yeah, honestly, good on her.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, but like, um, so the, the way I took it was that, um, I thought the way m- like. Uh, because I, I thought she was immortal until it gets revealed fully that she was a mermaid. Maybe I skipped something. But at least my interpretation was because she's an immortal woman, like in order to give birth, she can't like nothing will develop until she has like an immortal. Bi- I'm just realizing that makes no sense then with how no, immortality works. She's,
2: she's just a, a type of mermaid. She's a lander mermaid. And mermaids just carry their pregnancies for three years uh, as opposed to humans.
1: Okay, I thought it. they just carried their pregnancies indefinitely until they ate the flesh of another mermaid. No,
2: their gestation period's just three years. And that's why she waited until now to do this plan to get Sakagami's pirates to go out and hunt the mermaid because she needed the flesh
1: for her child.
0: Okay. Yeah, I wonder how far they would have gotten if she just had prenatal gummies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is that like mermaid jerky? Like...
0: <laughs> I don't know, maybe. They have ashes.
1: <laughs> they they have a lot of things that <laughs> prompt a lot of questions. Yeah. So that's essentially her plan was I was tricking these pirates into getting me some mermaid flesh so I can have my baby. And Rin is just like, well, OK, you did just save me, I guess. So I'm not going to kill you again because clearly that well, doesn't do it.
2: So she can't like yeah. fight back at yeah. this point anyway.
1: Yeah. So she is brought to the pirate party. Which is amazing because they've got the mermaid flesh cut out like sashimi, but mm-hmm. it's all on one big plate in front of um, the pirate boss, who, um, to the best of my ability, did not get a name.
2: He's just the Sakagami pirate boss. Yeah, yeah. Have like a name. Off, just,
1: ev- everyone just calls him boss. So he is eating all of the mermaid flesh by himself. Which, uh, I mean. This is only for me, but I'll go into it. Uh, it gave me strong vibes of pe- Penguin Drum. There is a character who eats giant platters of fugu blowfish because it's a proof he's a man. And I'm like, yep, that's... <laughs> proof that you have a
0: lot of money. I mean, that's really it, but okay.
1: Did you know each piece has a minuscule amount of poison? <laughs> I am eating a hundred <laughs> servings. Why? <laughs>
2: But for a manlier than that, you know, eating a bunch of poison, proving
1: that you can live through it. Yeah, which uh, Pirate Boss does. Uh, he is constantly eating mermaid flesh during this party, and everyone else at the party is just like, y- you know, you only need one piece of that to be immortal, right? The rest of us could also be immortal. And he's like, nah. And then uh, Yuta burst into the scene because he's immortal. And then he tells everyone he's immortal. And they're like, hey, wait, he's immortal. No, Issa goes the one who goes. Yeah, he's immortal. The only way you can kill him is by cutting off his head. To which the pirate boss goes like, "Well, then the person who gets me his head gets to be immortal, and then a whole bunch of people sacrifice their lives at the chance of becoming immortal because um, yeah. Yuta kills a lot of people.
2: And <laughs> even when they're dying and they're like begging the boss for flesh, he just shoves them away. It's like, you know, you get his head first, then not co- can you.:
1: It would cost you nothing. Just <laughs> this would only benefit you." No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's a very greedy and childish person. We'd seen earlier that he mm-hmm. got very upset at someone and just killed them instantly because yep. And then he was like lamenting, oh the like ephemerality of human life or like, oh how quickly life passes. And then here that kind of thing happens again. Instead he gets stabbed by a sword from Utah and he like reacts very like pettily like, mm-hmm. Oh, that really hurt.
1: Oh, but I guess I'm a mortal now. But that distracts him long enough that he doesn't pay attention to his plate of mermaid flesh. His uh pirate lackeys, I suppose, uh, immediately jump on the chance to be immortal and all start eating it. And then they all start turning into lost souls and dying. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Oh man, what's uh what's going on there? And Isigo just goes, Oh yeah, um it's actually really unlikely for you to become immortal by eating mermaid flesh. Most people just turn into those things. You, there's a solid like silence panel before he just goes. Well, I'm glad I'm so lucky then. Mm-hmm. Ah, the next page, pop. Oh no, I guess I was just really delayed on turning into one.
2: Yeah, right after he's flicking his blade. It's so good, like blade play, licking bandits do in
3: manga. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's it's very fortuitous that it happens at exactly that moment, but also not because yeah. he turns into a giant hulking monster that Yuta fights for the remainder of this chapter where essentially uh while fighting him, Yuta having eaten the flesh of a mermaid jumps off into the ocean. I think Rin's pirate friends come up and save them by harpooning the pirate boss. Yeah. Mermaid Isago lands in the water. And everyone's like, oh, no, she's so distraught. She'd rather die than be captured. And Rin and Yuta are both like, no, she was a mermaid. And now she gets to be free with her baby.
2: Yeah, I love the smirk she gives as she's like leaping <laughs> off to yep. y- Yuta and Rin. And then, yeah, we know that she's a mermaid mm-hmm. and she just transformed her mermaid form when she went into the water. I love it how go just acted like during the entire scene. She was just chilling back and she was eating her own pieces of flesh, but she was just, she's just watching the havoc go around and then she gets her like karmic kind of revenge on the boss and the entire pirate gang by them all getting like turned into monsters of slaughter. Yeah.
1: She she has a really nice ending for someone who murdered Rin's father.
2: Um. Well, no, her father, Rin's father, is still alive. It's mentioned that you know he recovered the next day and told them what was going on, told Butterbills what was going on. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, no, she she did a pretty <laughs> villainous thing of like yeah. like stabbing him. But yeah. uh, she gets kind of uh, oh, she gets the win at the end. Really, mm-hmm. like, everything went according to her plan.
1: There's a there's a really nice scene too with Yuta and Rin of um oh is it with you? Uh, Jay? You would know you sent me this panel. Is this is this this chapter where she's just like I had a dream or is that another one?
0: About the dream of you and I together. Yeah. Yeah, that was this chapter.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really nice... <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: it's so romantic.
1: Um... Aw, do you want to stay sweet. here forever? And he's just like maybe, and then she's <laughs> just like, but I'm not yeah. immortal. And then Yuta's just like, oh, not immortal? Well. Guess I'm going to hit the dusty trail. Because <laughs> he, he's got to find a way to die naturally.
0: I mean, he's got daddy's approval. I mean, go for it, man.
2: <laughs> yeah. His, her dad was mentioning, hey, you know, Rin really likes you. You should stay here with us. But for Yuta, it's like he just doesn't want to, like, kind of deal with the heartbreak of, like, mm-hmm. It's more on him because I someone. feel
0: like yeah. she would accept him because she fully understands he's immortal. And she's obviously encountered yeah. the mermaid. So it's not... Her so much as it's him.
1: Look, I just yeah. I'm just saying when you're Utah, a woman willing to spend her life with you comes along every single village, getting to live a normal life.
2: <laughs> no, I mean that's true. It's not Ren is not the only person who makes this offer to Utah, but no, he
1: just Well the, we'll get and, to my favorite. Yeah. Um, but Yeah. Um. Uh, next up, uh, the next chapter, we, uh, pop back in with, uh, Mana and, um, Yuta. I think there's a soft implication there is a bit of a time skip from when the last time we saw them.
2: Yeah, I think every ch- installment uh, that checks in on Yuta and Mana takes place in the year the story was published in. Mm-hmm. So this would take place about two years-ish.
1: Yeah. I
3: think,
2: after the first one.
1: They are traveling. They clearly haven't been together that long because there's still some kind of like a uh, distance between them.
2: Yeah, actually, now that I'm noticing that they mentioned they left the village a certain time ago. So I think this takes place just a little bit after the first one. Actually,
1: That makes sense, actually, because uh, yeah. Mana acknowledges a cat as if she's never seen one before. Yeah, but um, it. I guess this one's the exception. The other ones definitely imply they've been traveling together for at least five years.
2: There's one that takes place in 1992. Yeah. So yeah, yeah like other ones, time passes.
1: But um, for this one anyway, uh, Mana is still fresh out of the, the, the indoctrination cult because uh, she follows a cat and wanders into the middle of the road where she gets hit by a truck. Mm-hmm. And if this were a lesser series, she'd wake up in some kind of fantasy world. But luckily, that's not what happened.
2: That time I got reincarnated in another role, but I was already immortal. So... <laughs> Just imagine but... she gets isekied into the world of Inuyasha. This is how she gets transported <laughs> into the feudal fairytale past. Rather right? than going down a well.
1: Oh, man, there's a character named Drin in my reality. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there are a lot wow. of similar named characters in uh, this new world that I find myself <laughs> in. There's a Toe in here, too.
1: Hmm, interesting. But, um essentially uh there is a bunch of hubbub as everyone's like oh my god a girl got hit by a truck well take her to the doctor um and then the doctor says like yeah she she's dead but then uh yuta comes looking he's like hey i heard a girl got hit by a truck and he's just like and then the doctor just goes um yeah strangest thing she just kind of uh got up without any hassle and wandered off which um is an amazing lie because it would literally only work for yuta to readily believe that (laughs)
2: like yeah well, you- the policeman also accompanies Yuta when he's, like, mm-hmm. telling, oh, the girl has gone missing. And the reason, like, he's, like, telling them, oh, he's, she's gone missing rather than she, like, died is because, you know, then they might ask him to see the body. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's keeping the body for himself for purposes.
1: We'll find out very soon. Y- Yuta believes it right away because what he's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, she's immortal. She healed and walked away. I got to go find her. But it's been revealed that uh, Dr. Hina has done this repeatedly. Yeah. So I can only imagine he's got a much more elaborate lie for when this has happened previously. Because yeah.
2: it'd be suspicious if, if he gives the thing, Just says, oh, no, they just uh, left every time. I think other cases, maybe the person who died, like, just didn't have, like, any connection. Someone who had missed the mm-hmm. body. And that's how he was able to like, get away with, like, spearing it away uh, to the sense. Kanagi Manor.
1: Yeah, because essentially Yuta goes off on a wild goose chase with the policeman. They have some discussions about some exposition where he hears that there's a mermaid buried somewhere in the forest. But essentially he's looking for a person who's not there. As we uh, cut back to Mana, whose body has been taken to
2: the Kanagi house in the mermaid forest,
1: which is an abandoned mansion for a well, not abandoned, but. It's on the way out and uh, in disrepair. Uh, It appears to only have two residents, uh, a old woman by the name of Sawa and a young woman with stark white hair uh, and a wrapped arm by the name of Toa.
2: Yeah. And like Sawa is upset at the doctor being another corpse in the house. Mm -hmm. But like... You know, Toa is saying, Oh, I need to do this because my arm hurts. I like need to have it changed right away. Mm-hmm. And we see that the doctor is preparing to cut off Mana's arm to transplant mm-hmm. it onto Toa.
1: As they're in the process of doing this, Yuta, who has been looking for where a mermaid might be buried in the forest because he's having trouble finding Mana and just kind of assumes she's probably found whatever trouble is in this region, which is a a safe assumption normally. He winds up in the manor and just goes, hey, wait, whoa, whoa, Mana's in danger. What's going on here? Toa is just like, oh, that's a weird guy. Um, Well, I'm just going to have my dog attack you. Yuta fights a dog. Zombie
2: 5, Lost Soul Dog. Yep. All horrific (laughs) looking. Big sharp ass teeth. And it like chomps at his neck and crushes it instantly. Yep. That's that's one of the pretty brutal way to die.
1: When he comes back, they just go, oh, well, he's immortal. Guess he's going in the family dungeon.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Just a a mainstay of every Japanese household, of every aristocratic Japanese household, as we see in the series.
1: Like this... This time at least makes a little sense because it appears like this is a very old house in the middle of nowhere that might have been like a shrine at one point. Mm -hmm. It's later on when it's a house in the middle of a town (laughs) that you're just like, wait a second. (laughs) They also find out that the cut on Mana has healed and that she must be immortal. So there is um, an idea gets in Toa's head that uh, she... Reveals that she has been having to replace her body over and over again, as through some exposition, we find out that Toa and Sawa are actually identical twins. She had an illness as a child that she was fed uh, the blood of a mermaid, and that has made her body immortal, but not...
2: Her... Well, no, she, it's made her appearance outside yeah, yeah. but
1: internally she's still aging. That's that's kind of what I was trying to say. I realized like mid sentence, I'm like, well, no, her her organs are also, she's, yeah, she's she's mm-hmm. still an old woman. She just appears to be a young woman. Um, mm-hmm. and essentially, she has been having to replace her uh, limbs as mainly um,
2: her arm that is mm-hmm. it's kind of cursed in a lost solely kind of way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. like every few
2: years she replaces it with, with like a an arm from a young girl's corpse and then it Is normal for a little while, but then it slowly warps back into deformed, lost soul appearance.
1: Mm -hmm. And she has come to the conclusion that if I cut off my head and put it on Mana's body, it will give me a brand new body that no longer has any illnesses and is immortal. Matt reading this just went like, well, no, there's actually like one of the most documented ways to kill an immortal person is exactly what you're describing to happen. But...
3: (laughs) Right,
2: but she's, like, kind of deluded.
1: Yeah, yeah, she... she no one thinks this is a good idea. Toa mm-hmm. just wants to do it, because Toa's a little crazy. Um.
2: mm mm-hmm. No, she's been, like, kind of warped by her traumatic life up till this point.
1: hmm because uh, it, it was actually revealed um, in the part where uh, the family dungeon down there, uh, Toa was living there for a good chunk of her life. Decades. Because
2: yeah. she was living there all the while while Sawa was living a full life of getting married and having children. Yep. And even, like, past the point where her father had passed away.
1: Oh, I thought it was when her father passed away that um, it, w- it wasn't until he died that Sawa came down and let her out.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, her father had passed away before she could be let out. So Yeah,
1: yeah, okay. It, yeah, it took so...
2: decades for that to happen. Yeah, he... And, he, like, he... That's why she resents... Uh, her so much. She resents Sawa mm-hmm. so much because she got to live the full life that she never could. Mm-hmm. That's why she's so like mean and cruel to her. And, like isn't, She has this entire scheme of wanting to get the mermaids flesh just so that she could punish Sawa by eating it and yep. turning her immortal so she could have the same agony. She yep. has, but now she has like a elderly body instead of the younger body.
1: Yeah, we get to that because essentially they're going to go through with the operation. But uh, Dr. Shinai says, no, I'm not doing this. This is crazy. To which Toa goes, eh, I can figure it out. Uh, I'll just mm-hmm. do it anyway. And um, Sawa finally goes, please, please don't kill her. I will show you where the mermaid flesh is. That has been passed down from the family for generations. I was the living heir. I know where it is. And Toa's just like, yeah, I always knew you knew where it was. Now you're going to finally tell me. Cool. I'm going to bring the girl as backup, but we'll figure it out. Um and they And make all it-
2: the while that this is happening, uh Yucha was locked in the dungeon, it's like fighting the <laughs> lost soul dog in a pretty great fight scene where he's like just fending it off of his sphere and ultimately yeah. beats it by like throwing a clock over it so that it like ends up getting stuck in the bars like he yeah. like clomps down on the bars of the the jail and then he like stabs it through mm. the trap with his spear like right to the head
1: it's it's pretty pre- brutal it's pretty great but it's also why my notes for this chapter are yuta fights a dog from because <laughs> <laughs> he fights that dog for the majority of the plot yeah um, <laughs> but um yeah so they make it to the uh Mermaid's Well, which is just another corpse pit, because everyone has a corpse pit in Mermaid Saga. Keep up.
0: Uh
2: uh-huh. do you guys have one? I thought that everyone had
1: one. Where wait, else hold- would you keep your curses? Oh, wait, hold on. I've just been keeping them like outside. Are we supposed to be uh-huh. them? Oh no.
0: That's just gross. Just keeping them outside. <laughs>
1: Well, that explains all the ghouls. I mean, OK, we're all learning <laughs> lessons here. But no, uh, there is a mermaid's corpse at the bottom of this corpse pit where uh, Toa just goes, well, I'm not going down there. And then just goes, hey, Mana, you're a mortal," and pushes her down. <laughs> <laughs> you can come back up when you get me a piece of that mermaid flesh. And Mana's just like, I don't. And then um, she's like, well, that's too bad, because there's also a lost soul down there. What? And then uh, there's a lost soul down there. But luckily, Yuta has finished fighting the dog. So <laughs> the second Mana's in danger. That's not true. Mana Mana gets uh, some uh, fight time yeah. with the lost soul. I, I'm doing her a disservice, but Yuta. No, Mana
2: is never helpless in these yeah. stories. Like she always fights back. Like even mm-hmm. in the after the point where Yuta like comes down to like fight off the lost soul, like he gets knocked back and then she picks up like an axe and starts trying to attack the lost soul. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. M- Mana Mana is never helpless. Mana just doesn't have whatever like cursed deal Yuta did to get that super strength of his because geez mm-hmm. does Yuta do some crazy things.
2: Yeah, like pull off the pillar that the mermaid is impaled on, like <laughs> with his brute strength, yep. like off the side of the 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 surface of the the cave. <laughs> yeah, just impale the lost soul right to the head with it.
1: Yeah, because it's been revealed that this uh, mermaid is not dead; she is just pinned to the wall. The second, uh, Yuta kills the lost soul. Uh, Toa jumps down because there's no longer any real threat. There's Yuta and Mana, but they aren't against her in the traditional sense, it's then we get the reveal that I didn't want the flesh to eat. I want to make you suffer, Sawa. Specifically because she mentions something that was alluded to in the backstory bits we got before, but it's uh, kind of confirmed here that Sawa always knew the mermaid blood wouldn't make you immortal.
2: Well, she knew that it was a poison, and that no one had ever gained immortality or, like, successfully gained immortality. But I think that there's, like, an ambiguity that she generally did want to, like, help her sisters through her illness. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, she also was well aware the risk and well aware knew that it could go wrong. Yeah.
1: There is also the strong implication that what Sawa... In all fairness, the implication is from Toa, who's not in the right mm-hmm. state of mind. But Toa yeah. makes the claim, you were just using me as a test... If I had not been poisoned like this, you would have taken it because you would have known it was safe. You were you were like happy there was a chance to test it on me. And is also is resentful of her life because as she's force feeding her um, sister, Sawa just goes limp. And then uh, Dr. Shinai, who was there, just goes, uh, yeah, she was a very old woman. Um, she had a heart attack because this is a terrifying situation and, like, she had a few years left at best. You kind of just accelerated that. What- what were you doing, Toa? And Toa just goes like, Well, I literally lived entirely for revenge, and now I've got nothing. I'm gonna sit here. Uh, could the rest of you just burn this building to the ground? I'll just die in it. Uh, cool.
3: Shame.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that is strong, like, please pretend you didn't see anything. My plan failed. I am going to die in shame now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, she just completely gives up on life out at this point. The tragedy Mm -hmm. of her character is that she was so blindsided by her revenge and her resentment of Sawa that she didn't realize that there was someone right there who loved her and wanted to spend a life with her in the Doctor. Well, And that's kind of a tragedy.
1: Yeah, because what we get revealed is that um, Utah makes the educated guess when he's talking to Dr. Sheena is like, Hey, you were her fiance, weren't you? That's why you kept checking up on her. And he's just like, yeah. And I kept telling her to run away with me. And she kept saying she didn't want to. So Mm -hmm. I was here with her supporting her, but like, it's the like extra hit of just like, she could have left at any point. She didn't because, she wanted to live for revenge yeah and she didn't get it at the end and
2: yeah just the futility of her resentment mm-hmm.
3: really.
2: like rather than see that oh she could have had this opportunity to like live a good life with someone who loved her she instead chose to stay in a place she hated with someone she hated just out of spite
1: uh, luckily, the next chapter is uh, pretty easy to summarize. Um, mm. We get uh, Dream's End, which, just because we've got a lot to talk about, um, unless anyone really wants to dig in on this, uh, this is essentially Mana and Yuta are traveling. They fall, and Mana gets knocked out, and Yuta also gets knocked out, and... No, they both die kind
2: of a yeah, yeah. part essentially, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then they get revived later. But the titular, well, not titular, but like a, a lost soul... Mm -hmm. guy called big eyes kind of encounters mon and like takes her back to uh his cave
1: yeah and and we get like a very admittedly by the numbers like king kong story kind of like it's he likes her because she's pretty and also like he is a lost soul but he's still capable of talking Uh, Meanwhile,
2: some sense of self left under, uh, unlike other lost souls who are just like uncontrollable and can't control like their urges and their impulses Mm -hmm. to like kill. Like he has some semblance of sanity at times, but then other times he'll like lose control
1: and go. Yeah, like and like Yuta winds up with a hunter who's been hunting this guy. And that's essentially how the plot plays out is they find him, uh, they go mana for a second is about to play the card of like he's he just looks like a monster he's not really that bad uh and then the hunter just goes like look around we're in a cave full of skeletons and that's when big eyes just goes like sometimes i black out and i don't remember doing any of this and then they're all like oh no well
2: well, or, it's the tragedy of the character is that yeah. you know when he first ingested the mermaid's flesh uh, and became the Lost Soul, like he had also had this blackout period where he like just kind of murdered everyone around, including his own parents. Yeah, he did without even realizing, without having control over it, and that's kind of the implication with these other people that he's ended up dying. He just really has no control over. You know his own strength and power when he, you know, he kind of blacks out like that. Yep. And the fact that they're all in his cave kind of also brings the question that perhaps these are other people who are like hunting him or trying to hurt him. And then being put in like this stressful yeah. situation, he snaps. Uh, yeah. Just like as when the hunter shoots him, he does here and goes berserk.
1: Yeah. And like that's that's essentially the story though. Is um the culmination is as he's dying, Mana's just like, hey come on and hugs him and says like it'll be all right your pain is over and he's just like yeah you're right existence was literally pain and yeah it's it's a nice story but it's also pretty formulaic and short so
2: i think it's a good misunderstood monster Mm -hmm. story it has shades of some ideas takashi would later explore with a character like jinenji and Miyata. But, yeah, I I think what I liked about this story is that it also, you know, continues the commentary the series has about a lot of these immortal characters, like, desperate for companionship. And the thing they're most afraid of is, like, a life full of rejection and loneliness. And I do think it's sweet that Mana, even in spite of, like when you know big guy's who's control he does attack her like even after that still like she's trying to reach out to him and calm him down at the end comforts him and like is there with him at the end like to give him a sense that, you no know, he was still human he's still like worthy of being like mm-hmm. you know loved and treated well as a human being yeah so i think it's a nice po- little uh, story with a mm-hmm. you know poignant little ending yep. but yeah i mean it, it it does follow similar beats to other misunderstood monster stories as
1: well. Uh, next one we got up is uh, Mermaid's Promise, which uh, starts off with Yuta visiting a dead girl's grave.
0: One of Yuta's many lovers. <laughs> they
1: yeah. don't they don't outright say this, but even the way he's talking about like yeah, this is a girl I used to know. He's being real mysterious and it's got my favorite scene of um, on the first read. I wasn't sure this is what they're going for. But with how this chapter's book bookend, I think this is entirely what they're going for. Um, Mana does not even look at the grave at all. She is purposefully 90 degree turn away from it the entire time they're there to the point mm-hmm. where um, Yuta is just like, I guess you're pretty bored visiting my ex-girlfriend's grave, aren't you? And she's like, yep, I'm going to go walk now and not be here.
3: <laughs> yeah. like, it's kind of
1: awkward for her. She's not like super honest with yep. her feelings for you yep. at this point. Oh, uh, it was when I, I was doing the outline. I reread that first part, and I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's probably what they were going for here. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like, yep, this is awkward. I'm this gonna awkward. just not be here.
1: I'm yeah. gonna go witness a murder. Mana, stop <laughs> getting into trouble, please. This guy is attacking a woman, and Mona is like, well, what's going on here? And then the guy's like, mind your own business, but that's enough time for the woman to kill him with a rock. Mm-hmm. And then the Yakuza come out of the car going like, oh, no, nope, get her in the car, get her in the car. Oh, we got a witness. Uh, then we cut to Mana being buried because she's dead now. It looks like they
2: strangled her to death.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, she was a witness. They had Yuta... To... Mm-hmm looks for mana, runs into an old man who is a groundskeeper for or he's a manager at a construction site, I think. Mm Um and he is the young son of the house that Yuta worked at where he met the girl he was just at the grave for. And Mm -hmm. he instantly recognizes him and he's just like, oh yeah, no, she died like immediately after, like the like right after you left. Or rather, she went missing. Yeah, she went missing and they said she died is the reveal. that's Mm -hmm. Yuta had assumed she died because when he came back like two years later, he saw the grave. The manager reveals, no, she went missing and we're not quite sure what happened. Someone, I think it might be the manager, says there's a rumor of some girl that looks like her at the mansion. And then Yuta's like, well, let's go check it out. And then, then the manager and him go to check it out which is convenient because they show up at the mansion right about the time that um, Mana has dug herself out from the grave. Uh, and then upon being known, she's a mortal is immediately washed up and given breakfast
3: mm-hmm.
1: by the old man who gets named at some point. His name is Ejiro. Ejiro. Yeah. yeah.
2: He owns all the land basically in the town. He like bought him all up because he married into like a, Very rich family.
1: He reveals that the woman living with him uh, is a woman by the name of Nay. Just in the short amount of time, Mana is allowed to talk to her, (laughs) is Mm -hmm. very aware that she likes to murder. Uh, Mm -hmm. What likes us is a strong, she feels compelled to murder because she will just space out, stop referring to people at all, and just immediately resort to murder. What
2: triggers this, though, is like the cawing of crows and birds. Yeah, yeah. That like, seems to trigger like a kind of defensive mm-hmm. like kind of
3: mm-hmm.
2: response of like attacking who's ever around her.
1: I think it's also loud noises because the dog's barking, I thought, did it in the yeah. first scene, and the
0: flourish but... of like but um birds taking off.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... no,
2: it's the birds because the birds were crying as we were revealed later when mm-hmm. she was being like killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that triggers those memories and that and, and an instinct like defensive or like murderous uh instinct in her.
1: Yeah, but essentially um, after getting revealed that Mana is an immortal who ate the flesh of a mermaid, because this is something you just tell everyone when they ask, uh, that is when Ejiro goes like, well, no, you're going to have to super kill her this time. Cut her head off.
2: And what really makes her him decide to kill Mana is that she's connected to Yuta. Yep. That name brings back bad memories for him, yep. very resentful of him.
1: Because we get a further flashback from Yuta about uh, the fact that he was real chummy with uh, the daughter of the household, whose name is Nay. Uh, And in the flashback, looks very similar to the woman who's still alive. And that woman was going to run away with him. The thing is, she already had a fiancé.
2: Yeah, she was already engaged to Aijiro.
1: Yeah, but... When Utah walks into town, you cut all previous plans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, do we know if she even was attracted to the fiance? Because it is implied that this is arranged. Like pra- arranged
1: marriage, yeah. I, I think it's a business arranged marriage kind of thing. I just like mm-hmm. the implication that Utah is A class material that you immediately yeah. reconsider your life for.
2: Bald <laughs> ladies <laughs> are attracted to Utah's sad boy uh Ito's oh, <laughs> sad boy aura.
1: Yep. I, don't
0: I, understand. He just wants to die.
1: <laughs> oh man, that speaks to my inner teenage goth. <laughs> uh Utah would shop at Hot Topic.
0: It's
2: during this flashback that they tell the story about like the traveling nun mm-hmm. who had like the mermaid's ashes. When sprinkled uh it can make like trees and plants grow. Yeah. And if it's revealed that Nay had has uh, some of the ashes In her storehouse and she had sprinkled it on a field of flowers that had made them like Mm -hmm. a field of flowers that would never wilt even in the winter they like bloom all year round
1: and the flowers are blood red Mm -hmm. that's not ominous okay let's go to the crimson (laughs) valley Uh, (laughs) essentially yuta fights his way onto the compound he witnesses nay about to murder mana uh, and calls out to her. And that's when Nay kind of snaps out and goes like, Yuta, wait, no, I was supposed to meet him at the Crimson Valley. I shouldn't mm-hmm. murder anymore. And that is just enough time for him to get knocked out by the group of thugs. Where he and the construction site manager have been brought back to the construction site they just came from. Which is owned by Agero, who is essentially saying like, well, I took you off my property so I can have you murdered.
2: Yeah, I can't bear you to be in the same place as mm-hmm. May. Yeah, Like, he's just that resentful of the power yeah, that yeah. Yuta had over Nei.
1: It's at this point that Yuta just goes like, well, have you not heard the... Because he... Yuta makes the correct assumption that you must have brought her back with mermaid ashes, because... Mm-hmm something's weird with her did you not hear the story about the nun and he's like of course i know the story about the nun and it's like no not not whatever nay told you she's wrong the actual story about the nun was she was murdered for her mermaid ashes but when she was buried they didn't get all of the ashes so she came back as a vengeful zombie that killed all the people who like uh, wronged her and mm-hmm. he's just like oh well then uh- <laughs> That's a very interesting story, but I'm going to go hang out with uh, the girl who totally didn't leave me for you. I'm going to have a thug with a chainsaw fight you now. And then Yuta fights a dude with a chainsaw who is three times his size and then flips him out a window in the most amazing display of strength he has in this monk. Now, this was another cool action scene. Like, Just- this is... This is Yusuke Yurameshi suplexing Elder Togoro. Like, that is the level of scale here.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that reference.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But like, um, yeah, so obviously Yuta's set to fight one person. He can never lose. So um, essentially what gets revealed in Mana and Nei run away because Nei keeps saying, I need to find the Crimson Valley to meet with Yuta. And Mana's just like, we need to get away from these people trying to kill me. And you, I guess. It's not important. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, that's why Adro had to leave to have someone else kill Yuta, by the way, as he got called that Nay had broken out. Uh, there is a real fun scene where they decide to run through a shopping mall and they try on lipstick. I think they're trying to disguise Nay to make her look not like a horrible like zombie. Nay herself is like
2: noticing herself in the mirror and she's like taking lipstick and she's like, oh, you know, this is so pretty. I wonder if Yuta will like it. Like her memories are coming back.
1: Gotcha. So
2: her feelings for Yuta as well.
1: My favorite joke in this scene, though, is Mana, as they're running out of the shopping mall, just yells, those men over there will pay for it. I'm like, cool, I guess that works. I didn't realize you could like next time I'm in line at McDonald's, I'm just going to shout that guy over by the door is paying for it. You can't
0: do that. You can't do that, Matt, because you are a
1: male. The patriarchy fouling me up yet again. Um, Double standard. I think my argument is I don't think women can get away with this either, but. No, (laughs) you don't
0: think, but they do.
1: Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> We're not going to get into this. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they, they have a fun little chase scene where they're running towards the Crimson Valley because that's the only place Ney will go without going psycho. They uh, run into Ejero, who tries to go like, "Nay, come on. It's me. Let's just go home where you'll be safe. Meaty gets hit with a rock because I don't know why he yeah. thought that'd work. <laughs> and also the
2: crow's cawing is also like triggering that kind of, again, flight or flight, like defensive impulse to like kill people.
1: It's at this point Adro just goes like, okay, well, I've played this charade with dolls long enough. Uh, Just kill them both. This is ridiculous. Because he Mm -hmm. he has come to the conclusion, if she's willing to break out of the zombie trance for Yuta, but not him, what is he even doing? Uh,
0: It's really sad it's taken him this long to realize this.
1: Well, 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 I mean, to be fair,
0: Yuta just came into the picture, but I mean, it's like,
2: We'll we'll get it, it to they it. He just wanted a, the living doll of May to control and possess. But if she's not going to be like submissive to him, then she's useless to him. Essentially,
1: yeah. we get the whole scene where um, Yuta reveals that uh, he never told May to meet him. He was just going to skip town and just like leave her. So she got told to meet him in the field, to which Adrian was waiting for her and said, like you you made me do this. I'm going to have to kill you. And we you need now. to go into yeah.
0: how how she was told because even what? after it was explained, I'm like, this is totally arbitrary that she just went full into this. Well there and was then... a signal
2: that they had kind of a, a mean method of communication they had established that, you know, they placed like three stones behind like a uh, like, a certain marker, and if one the stone in the middle was missing, that was a signal that, like, oh, they're going to meet. And so, yeah. Adro had figured out their method of communication, and he removed the middle stone, because he wanted to believe, or he was hoping that even if Yuta was going to meet with her, she wouldn't run away with him. But unfortunately, like, his fears were proven correct. Like, Nate did feel to wait for Yuta, Adro was there, and then, like, kind of, like, Shattered and mm. angry that she would, in his point of view, betray him for you to like, you know, he went berserk uh, and killed her.
1: And I'm just like, Adro, hey, my dude, if your fiance has a secret coded message for when she's going to go on dates with her boyfriend, I think you've already lost, buddy. Like, yeah, you
2: have this, this <laughs> bad idea that she had any real feelings or loyalty to him at
1: all. I I think at this point, your best bet is, you know, this guy is leaving town. Just just wait for it to pass over. Mm -hmm. But no, uh, he decides to follow the path of murder where uh, he kills her uh, and then hides her body in the Crimson Valley, which um, preserves it. Uh, He comes back later and finds her body has not decayed at all. So he uses his vast wealth he has accrued through years of business to buy up all the land until he finds the place where... Um, the mermaid's
2: ashes were hidden by him.
1: And he uses it on her. And that's when Yuta goes like, well, no, the whole thing about the nun, like, you knew this was a terrible, like, this was a terrible idea. Why would you do that? And there's just a really great panel because you just see Aro and his expression is just so matter of fact, like, well, duh, obviously. I knew she would be a mindless zombie, but I thought, you know.
0: It would be the, you know, good yeah. for me, mindless zombie. I can do
2: what I please with her. Like she, yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, I don't know. I strongly want to edit that panel where um, Yuta is just like, you knew she would just be a mindless zombie and I just want to cut out everything. And so it's like, but I'm kind of into that kinky shit. And I'm like, because that's the, exp- <laughs> that is the expression he has.
3: <laughs>
2: No, yeah, it's it's real disturbing. Like he did was never really in love with Nay. He was in love yeah. like the idea of her, mm-hmm. in, of possessing her. Yeah. really.
1: Yuta uh, hugs Nay. She essentially fulfills her zombie mission of meeting Yuta at the Crimson Valley, and mm-hmm. with that, she finds peace and dies.
2: Yeah. And either way, because of the legend of the the nun, is that a few years later the mm-hmm. nun. You know, the the fact that she yeah. passed away anyway, that happens to Nay right at this moment, too. Yep. So it's kind of a serendipitous moment of, like, her time has finally run out from, like, this thing that wouldn't last forever, but also she's able to have a moment of closure.
1: They just kind of leave town. No one actually gets punished for this, is the amazing thing. Like, um, Adrio got hit yeah. with a rock, but, like,
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, Adrio has just got to live with what he did. Like, I don't know yeah. how they can, like, go to the police and yep. explain this whole situation. I mean they're
1: not going to no. go to the police they're drifters like they're going to be that, like well, where do you live And
0: throughout this It's like you can't really go to the police because the police are never going to believe you they're There's useless no- Yeah
2: and so many it's a story and another story later like someone tries to ask the police for help
0: but
1: they can't,
0: like what do you expect do the police to actually do in what legal framework mm-hmm. and you, yeah. like
1: yeah mm-hmm. like it's just like well he sprinkled ashes on her and then kept her body is like well I guess part of that's illegal maybe
0: you could like, say it's desecration of a grave there's just a lot of that
1: look there's a lot of magic here that muddies that water so but yeah uh, there's also the cute scene at the end where um, I forget if this it's this chapter at the next one where uh, uh, Yuta just goes like hey were you jealous or something and she's like no
0: yeah it was at the end of this it's totally yeah. jealous yeah. but mm. not jealous
1: no <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not jealous that you basically just hug that girl in front of me what you've known other girls and then Yuta just has to go like you you know I was married for like seventy years, right? No, mm-hmm. we're...
0: <laughs> I know he's like super loyal. That's why I want him.
1: <laughs> I, I do, what really ruins that like whole reality is the fact that every single village we go to, you tell me about the girlfriend you had there.
2: Yeah, no, a lot <laughs> of traffic was in his path. But she'll be the one. She'll be the one who sticks around.
1: Because she's immortal. It's just a yeah. numbers game at this point. Okay. Next up, we have uh, Mermaid Scar, which um, opens yeah. up. <laughs> yeah.
2: Mermaid Scar is like the one that I remembered the most out of all the stories. Oh. For a very good reason.
1: Mermaid Scar is the one I have the most um, cropped pictures of panels saved. Because <laughs> uh, we start off with uh, Yuta and Mana riding on a train with a child who is being picked up by his mom because he's moving from Tokyo. And then we are told it is two years later where that same child has murdered his mother.
2: Ah, uh, Just a sequence of him like... You know, we see that he's stabbed as you just, and then he goes back to clean up the blood on the floor, and he's mm-hmm. like taking a shower, and then he gets out and he's just looking at his corpse sitting down. Yeah, and like. It's such a o- great opener. It really set the tone and mood of this.
1: It's like the, the show Dexter, kind of, with like how it's mm-hmm. someone dies, but then you get to watch them methodically clean it up, and then kind of just like take a shower and go, like, oh, well, that happened. So, matter of factly
2: and jadedly, yeah.
1: Yeah, like, and then it cuts. After that. Like you have to watch this happen. And I I'm I always appreciate that. And essentially, what we get brought up to speed on is that Yuta and Mana are working at a construction site, I think. They're they're yeah. doing odd jobs, which they're always doing. Where uh what happens is while they're working on the odd jobs, um a character by the name of Yuki, uh, I presume she's here to visit her boyfriend.
2: Yeah, I, she might be here to visit her fiance. I don't think they explicitly say, but she's yeah, here for a reason. She, yeah, and she's basically Masato's nanny, and mm-hmm. Masato's like kind of, you know, pretty close to her. And yeah. we've seen earlier at this point that uh his mom was fine the next day, and he's mm-hmm. seemingly is afraid of her. You didn't want to recognize them. So they talk to him about, oh, are you happy now?
1: And he kind hey, of you look like name, a yeah. four-year-old who hasn't aged at all in the two years we've been gone.
2: <laughs> yeah, still a squirt, aren't you? Yep.
1: <laughs> Yuta does not have a lot of feats uh, that put him in a uh, very high IQ category. He's,
2: <laughs> I mean, he's perceptive, but I, he doesn't quite put two together. It's all strange that this kid hasn't grown any. <laughs>
1: <laughs> look, they didn't have public school when Yuta was a kid. <laughs>
2: It's probably been a long time there's been around like, yeah. a young kid and know how quickly they grow at a certain mm-hmm. age.
1: Masako and his mother um, have a very tense relationship when there are not other people in the room. <laughs> they are kind of fighting each other off screen a lot. Uh, up until the point where um, Yuki uh, reveals that uh, she has gotten engaged to her boyfriend and is showing off the ring, uh, unfortunately that means because she is getting married she can no longer have a job Yep. Uh, because this is 80s Japan uh, she, yeah. she's also a nanny which is admittedly a different scenario um,
0: Yeah. they don't really
2: explain why she
0: needs yeah I mean she could maybe be part time or something like there's no yeah. reason to just like completely say I, I cannot work anymore
2: I, I <laughs> need to move or something I don't
1: know like they don't <laughs> mm. really get into that I, I would be. think I would think it's because her job is like being someone's like personal nanny. Yeah, there, there's kind of she, there's there's more. She can't of
0: an, be an all pair anymore, obviously. There, yeah,
1: there's more of an onus that if you're going to like start a family with someone, a nanny is not a great job for that. Obviously, yeah, different situations and for different people, but
2: seemingly like she was living at the estate, uh, the home of Masato yeah. and her mom too. So I just.
1: probably not ideal when you're getting married. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there she is uh, essentially apologizing to Masako, Masato? Masato. Masato.
2: It's also worth noting at this point that uh, they have encountered like uh, Masato's mother like being wiling towards him while asking where he's hidden the mermaid flesh. And this is where like Yuda kind of has a talk with her about like explaining the properties of the mermaid flesh and that makes her realize oh I need to get more flesh because like it doesn't it might not be effective forever
1: yep, but also right.
2: like masato like says oh you don't put my clearly abusive uh, parent. uh don't call the police on her i don't want her to be arrested and they just kind of accept that for now but it kind of portrays situation of like uh they think that masato is the one in danger here and mm-hmm. it's like the victim of the abusive relationship
1: so, yeah, as uh, Yuki is apologizing to him, he's just like, OK, but if you're going to leave me forever, you need to eat this meat I was holding in my backpack. Yuki is very accepting of that, I suppose. So good on her because uh, it's mermaid flesh gets just like described as like a chunk of like essentially tuna is what it always looks like. It's definitely like fishy mm-hmm. flesh. And he just pulls it out of a jar in his backpack and she's like, OK, well, guess I'm eating this. Yeah,
2: preserves well after so many years, like decades, Masato's probably had this flesh. Yeah,
1: like, (laughs) it's it's interesting the amount that Yuki was just willing to eat something a four-year-old handed her, but (laughs) whatever. Uh, She does, and um, it does not go great, because uh, she immediately hulks out into a lost soul, and Masato starts crying, help, and... um, she,
2: the lost soul
1: Yuki slashes mm-hmm. uh,
2: his mom. Yep. And then, yeah, Mana and Yuta try to fight it.
1: Yep. And Yuta essentially goes like, this is going to take a while to fight Mana. Get the kid out of here because we don't know he's immortal yet. And uh, so Mana grabs him, runs.
2: When she gets him out of harm's way, she tells Masato that she's going back to help Yuta. And when Masato comments said, wait, you're hurt, she wipes off the blood and he notices that her cheek is healing and that's when she, he realizes she's mortal.
1: And it's like, no, we gotta keep running away. And then the first of the panels I saved is when he pulls a stun gun out and chucks.
2: It sounds so resourceful. He's got a lot of tools. He, he is a four-year-old. He has a secret shack in the forest where he keeps all sorts of, like, yes. contraptions to help him out.
1: Jay, I'm gonna warn you, don't incriminate yourself with what you were just about to say. Okay. Good. Good. You don't need to tell anyone about the secret shack full of murder implements. Oh, dear.
0: What? That wasn't what I was about to say. I was going to say good. this is yep. why have, this is why I have a deep mistrust of young children.
1: As <laughs> we all should. Who knows what they're hiding? Oh, man. But yeah, um essentially uh what uh, comes to be is Masato has essentially decided um I don't need that woman there anymore. Um I can just hang out with Mana because she appears to be, like, actually immortal, where I've come to the conclusion that uh, my current mother is not super immortal. She is still going to die soon.
2: Yeah, we saw that her scar that he had inflicted on her when he killed her last hasn't healed yet. And it's also commented later that it's been taking longer and longer for her to revive after each time she's died. So... Mm -hmm she seems her immortality is actually seeming to run out it hasn't quite taken yep. with her as it has with him or future mana
1: yep and uh we get a flashback which reveals that uh the uh masato and his mother met in the firebombings of world war Two. uh originally he's from tokyo so you can probably assume it was that the during those firebombings. um the he is a young four year old who came out of the wreckage to a woman, or her husband and sons. I believe had been drafted and died in the war.
2: Her husband had died in the war, but mm-hmm. and then her son, who was only eight years old, died in the bombing. Oh,
1: yep, yep, yep. Okay.
2: So that's why she initially kind of is amenable to like having like a surrogate son in Masato because he's around the same age.
1: Yep. He uh, he fed her some mermaid flesh. She didn't turn into a horrible monster. And they lived together for about uh, 50 years before she kind of came to the conclusion. It sure is weird. Neither of us have aged. And she eventually came to like, I, he is four years old. We have to move literally every like two to three years. This is not maintainable.
2: Yeah. I know. Worst immortals
0: are the young ones.
2: Mm <laughs> hmm. What started as like kind of like a a happy relationship between them slowly became twisted and abusive. Like she apparently has tried to kill him many times before, Mm -hmm. but he always comes back and she always tries to escape from him. And her last attempt was uh, the context for the opening scene of the chapter. She had ran away from him and got married, but then the yacht accident happened and he found out about her and came back to her.
1: Which really puts into perspective when the full color page, when they pull into the train station, uh, he's like, oh, there's my mommy. And the woman you see looks very dour. And you're like, oh, yep, that's why. Masato has stun gunned uh, mana and she wakes up. He has wrapped her in barbed wire because <laughs> he's mm-hmm. just like, you're a mortal. You could probably gnaw through anything else, but the barbed wire is going to hurt you just to move in. So that will probably keep you here long enough. Uh, I'm going to go back to the house, and um, you're clearly not going to be okay with being my mom if Yuta's still alive. So I'm going to go be home alone at my mansion (laughs) and set up a whole bunch of deadly traps. And that's essentially what we get, is uh, Yuta bust into the mansion to see the kid. And he runs off, and it's just a whole bunch of booby traps.
2: It's so great. He, like, shoots marbles at him, and then he... He puts marbles in the forest so he would trip, and then he's, like, strung up a bunch of, like, wire in the room for him so that he get decapitated.
1: And you're like, oh, man, what a bunch of uh, cute kitty pranks to, like, homic- Like, oh, man, it's getting a little homicidal. And then, and then he pulls out a gun! <laughs> I got this in the war! And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I saved this panel. <laughs>
2: He's so, I love it. Just those bag of tricks, you know, our gorgeous.
1: Yeah. And then they they just, he just keeps shooting. Him and um, he reveals, because uh, uh, Yuta does his line of like, I've been alive for 500 years. And then uh, Masato just goes, you little punk, I've been alive for 800. And then Yuta's like, oh my God. And then Yuta then goes, oh my God, how many women have you poisoned?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Masato because uh, we got a flashback earlier on where Masato's just like mommy eat this and then she turns into a monster but yeah. then we get another flashback kind of admits that that previous flashback he had he's like you know I don't even think that was my first mom.
2: Well, he he, it's been so long at this point that he can't even remember clearly. Clearly, like he's having kind of these traumatic flashbacks, like yeah. earlier that he's remembering the moment where he fled the flesh to his mother and she became lost. and so attacked him, but like you know, it's also been long enough that his his memories aren't clearly. He's lived such a long life and has done this to so many different women that he can't even say for sure anymore. But. Regardless, the reason why he keeps looking for surrogate mutters is kind of to replace the one, his original one that he lost so long ago. And he's just been trying yeah. to recapture having a parent for so
1: long. It's also just impossible for him to live without one is a thing. Like, yeah,
2: I mean, four. because of how young he is, yeah, he can't live on his own. Itself, except for being a vagabond. Yeah, And he mentions yeah. that, like, you know, he would often, like, be taken in, but everyone who taken him would, take would die for one reason or another, and so that's when he got the idea to use mermaid flesh to create another immortal like him who could live forever yep. with him.
1: So anyway, uh, the fight culminates with uh, him about to chop off Yuda's head with an axe, <laughs> and because Yuda's in danger, uh, Mana breaks through the window. Uh, there's a great scene where she rolls out of the thing onto the highway still wrapped in barbed wire and two guys mm-hmm. on a motorcycle just pull over and She's like quick cut me out and then she just shows up later i'm like so i guess they had no problem with that um. yeah no and she she i love how she
2: just like like breaks into the window just with full body not caring about the glass at all to just mm-hmm. get to utah it's so great just crashes in
1: Essentially, uh, he sees that Mana is willing to sacrifice herself for Yuta and just kind of comes to the conclusion. She's not going to agree to be my mom. This uh, this kind of a lost cause. I'm just going to stick with the one I still have. He goes to wake up his mother. Uh, She does not wake up because she is dead forever. To which uh, he goes like, well, I'm done with all of this. Lights the house on fire. And you would think like every other person who lights a house on fire, he's planning to go up in the smoke. Nope. He is safe on the other side. Holds up his bags and's like, I've still got a ton of mermaid flesh. And yep, steals I... a car. <laughs> yes. That is so... like, that's
0: where my oh. my screenshot came from. That was just so unsettling. He's so
1: angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's such intimidating energy, like the scene of him driving the car, not able to yeah, stand for the no. car.
0: <laughs> I mean, he could have a booster seat, put some books down there. Yeah. Then he no. can't reach the pedals. <laughs> It's clear,
2: though, he does have, like, some cushion <laughs> under him that is, like, lifting it up. But, yeah.
1: Oh, anyway, it, um, <laughs> a four-year-old driving a car goes about as well as you thought it would. Mm-hmm. He crashes into a truck. Basically. Yeah, headfirst into a truck. It is left ambiguous what's going yeah. on, because um, Yuta and Mana essentially go, like, um, well, we're going to have to find him. And then the crash happens, and then we get reports from like people talking like oh the house burned down they found the mom and the kid must have been playing with the car which implies they found his body in the car
0: but it doesn't mean that he's dead because if yeah if he's it, not decapitated which i know that does happen in accidents but it's not clarified he could have easily mm, been transported yeah. to a morgue and then
2: yeah it's ambiguous when Masada's fate actually is, which I like. It, it You could read it either way, that he did die in the crash, or mm. that he's still out there, and he's going to do this again. And that's what I also like about the scene of him crashing into the truck. It's like he's really rolling the dice, because we've also kind of gotten the sense that he's a little bit nihilistic at his point. It's He's like, well, either I live, or either I die. At this point, like I'm willing to take either. But if I do live, I'm going to begin again. And continue to search for another mother to live with me forever, basically.
1: Yeah, that's the end of the chapter. I have shipping nonsense, but I think I might have been misremembering what chapter that was. No, there
2: is some, like, stuff at the end where it's basically Yuja and Mana are talking about, like, you know, Mana was super worried about Yuja during this, and she was so happy when mm-hmm. he, she found that he's still alive.
1: Gotcha. And, like, she, okay. he was
2: crying, like, tears of relief, and that was the first for her and stuff like that. It's just kind of a cool moment to grow in terms of like how strongly she feels about him. I guess another note I just want to make about Masato that we kind of plumbed over is that he did see genuinely have some care for Misa, the woman who's like his mother, because he was like wiping tears off his face when he Mm -hmm. came to the realization that she really was dead.
1: Yeah, and that. that That kind of counteract a point he had made earlier when um, Yuta confronted him. I'm like, like, why did you just kill Yuki like that? Like, how could you care so little about someone? And Masada just goes, you can't let yourself get attached when you live Mm -hmm. forever. The heartbreak would be unending. And then when he gets choked up about his mom dying, it's like, well, clearly that's not true for you. You're just saying that.
2: Yeah, despite his best efforts to be detached, he still, you know, did care. Like, he still was fond of her in some way, even if their relationship had become twisted in the last couple Mm of years.
1: Next story up, uh, The Ash Princess, which is another uh, Utah backstory episode. This takes place somewhere in between the modern era and the backstory with Rin.
2: Yeah, it also takes place about 300 years ago, around the same era as the Rin story.
1: And essentially what is going on in this one is there is a uh, young girl named, uh, like, very young, uh, probably eight, I want to say. I think th- they say her age at some point, but I can't remember. Twelve. Uh, oh, wow. I was way off. <laughs> uh, so her name is Natsume um, and she is essentially uh, running a scam with her father. Uh, they have a sideshow where they have a mermaid that they show like in a tank splashing around and then from that they say well if you eat a mermaid's flesh you'll live forever and they sell little parcels of it which um, is revealed later to be carp because they don't have a real mermaid but they manage to pull this trick off because Natsume can cut herself and the cut instantly heals Natsume is getting attacked by a monk who is trying to kill her because she is a vile demon creature and Yuta's just like hey no no don't Don't kill a child. What's going on here? And then the monk's, like, vile creature, and then Natsume gets away. I mean, he sees him cut her arm clear off. And, well, also, I think Yuta had seen the sideshow and knew she had some, like, kind of healing. No, Yuta
2: hadn't seen the sideshow yet. He just Uh, heard about it from someone else. The monk had seen the sideshow and recognized that girl was the same one that he had revived with the technique of so many years ago.
1: Because he saved Natsume... Uh, she invites him over to dinner at their house to spend the night because he is still a drifter. So um, he is like, "Hey, cool, food and a warm bed to sleep, great." Uh, and heads over where Natsume's father um, welcomes him, and they show him the mermaid that is just like a monkey and a fish. Well, it's a, it's a monkey yeah. mermaid, kind of. Yeah, it's
2: another great panel. Just a yeah. screeching face, <laughs> monkey splashing around. <laughs>
1: And uh, the the father comes clean about, it is not a real mermaid. And you appear to be immortal because you've eaten the flesh of a mermaid. Uh, that's not what Natsume did. She didn't do that. And Yuta's just like, okay, I believe you at face value with no further questions. Uh, I'm going to go to bed now. And then in the middle of the night, um, Natsume tries to <laughs> eat Yuta's liver. Uh, And uh, at that point, the father's just like, "Okay, well, I'm going to have to kick you out now.
2: And Yuta's reaction is like, oh, man, that girl can really
1: (laughs) Really. bite. You're just really accepting of, hey, this girl's immortal. Oh, did she eat the flesh of a mermaid? No. Okay, well, that's enough information for me. Oh, man, she tried to eat my liver? That's weird. (laughs) Well, guess I'm sleeping outside. Um, He eventually runs into the monk again. And the monk says like, hey, you know, that girl's not right. Like, I know that she's not right because I'm the one who revived her. Uh, She was dead and I used her bones and a mermaid liver to bring her back to life. But it's clear she's been eating like livers out of cats and dogs and things. Also, she hasn't aged in the 25 years since I did that. What's Mm -hmm. going on there? And Yuta's just like, you're right, that is weird. And then the monk's just like, so I'm going to pray for seven days. So I'm filled with holy power and then I'm going to murder her. And Yuta's just like, okay. Well, I'm going to go not tell them that, uh, because Yuta is not on board with whatever this monk is doing, because...
3: Yeah, the
2: monk believes she's an evil spirit, but Yuta isn't so sure that she's...
1: Yeah, Yuta is strongly of the opinion, like, it sure is weird that she's eating livers out of, like, living things, but, like, people eat fish to be alive, too, so it's not that evil. Like, Yuta's very accepting of it, (laughs) considering he almost had his liver eaten. But it is then revealed that uh, Natsume's father watched the monk do this ritual that can revive dead things. uh, And, like, after seeing it, is performing it on other things. Uh, Like, the mermaid they have is a fish skeleton and monkey skeleton. And he also offers to do this for other people for money, presumably, because the chapter opens with... um, a young boy dissolving into bones, which is what happens when you don't use a mermaid liver.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and essentially, are Forever. <laughs> mermaid, <laughs> mermaid livers are forever. But um, what happens is um, Utah essentially uh, spends the seven days like working, like generally around the family, but like hanging out with them because they Natsume has not Natsume. Natsume's father has taken on a job from the local royals Uh, There is a princess that has died and he's like, yeah, I can bring her back to life. Cool. I just need a certain amount of time. And he's like, yeah, we'll spend seven days preparing the body. So she is perfect and will last as long as possible. So the royals will be happy. Um, Essentially, what Yuta goes is like, huh, man, Natsume doesn't really have seven days. She has exactly seven days before the monk comes to kill her you know, I'm going to talk to her about what she feels about life and how the fact that uh, she's going to outlive her father shortly. And he kind of, like, comes to the conclusion that she is... He had the inkling of it, but talking to her, he's like, you're right, she's not evil. She really should live her own life, though. So he's like, hey, how about you run away with me tonight? Because he doesn't tell her this, but, like, tomorrow the monk is going to kill you. But, like, you run away with me tonight. We can be immortal together. We'll figure something out. To which she seems... Amenable to, but not completely.
2: She's happy about it. She wants to go. It's like she smiles mm-hmm. and she's she's excited yeah, yeah. to go along because she she wants uh, to go ha- live her own life separate from her father. And she she's thinking about like her own future, so she wants to really
1: the the conversation. The main thing she gets from it is she's she is aware her father is going to die soon, and like yeah, she's not ready to deal with that. Yeah, like. She's like, I I, know he needs to stop taking care of me. Essentially, what happens is the dad overheard that tricks Yuta into showing up at a different location where he then ties Yuta to a tree and just goes, hey, I'm going to cut your liver out and use it to rev that um, princess. And since your liver is immortal, I mean, hopefully that makes her like really immortal rather than all those like fake jobs i've been doing natsume at this point uh waiting for yuta gets attacked by the monk who with his divine power fully healed by like seven days of prayer shoots his hand out and grabs her liver out of her body uh and rips it out but he she cuts his hand off and then runs away Mm -hmm. and she makes it to the ritual point sees what's happening disrupts the bones so the princess is, is like can't be revived anymore Um, and essentially tells her dad that living forever sucks i don't want to do it and i am sure she wouldn't want it either and the dad like immediately sees the wound where her liver is and it's like oh no you're gonna die soon and he's just like well okay that's fine we'll go out as a family grabs her throws himself off a cliff with her and is like we're gonna die together hits the ground he dies instantly and then a great scene of Yuta coming down and the daughter's is like, yeah, no, I'm still immortal, so he's dead. Uh, mm. Now I'm going to die.
2: Yeah. And I'm just like, cool. <laughs> no, she felt sorry for her boss, so she kind of let him commit his, like, double mm-hmm. suicide, you know, to make him yeah. feel at peace. But, I mean, she yeah, she's not going to without her
3: liver.
1: Yeah. And she fades away almost immediately. And then the monk comes in and is like, well, I'm going to perform the last rites. And Yuta's just like, no, go go away. You have just made everything awful.
2: Yeah. Stop. Because this girl wanted to keep living. She was excited to live. That's why she was to about Yuta's offer. Because they're the same. They're both like immortal beings, so... You know, she was afraid of being, like, alone after her dad passed away. And so that's why that she was happy that, you know, you'd invited mm-hmm. her on. Because, you know, Yuta was someone that she could have spent her life with mm-hmm. uh, as a companion. But yeah, the tragedy is, like, the monks just saw her as an evil creature. Mm-hmm. The dad was just possessed of her and wasn't ready to, like, let her live her own life. And in the end, like, she ends up passing away. So...
1: Yeah, another bittersweet ending. Uh, the next uh, saga we have is The Mermaid's Gaze. This is an interesting one to summarize because so much of this chapter is like the mystery of what's happening to which the majority of the characters involved are completely aware of what's happening in one point or another. So from a reader, you're constantly kept in the dark and it's very interesting to read through, but like going back to summarize it, it's kind of like they didn't know this yet, but then... What is the best way to do this? Like, essentially, there is an old house that Yuta used to work at that um, since he no longer works there, um, has been known for having a creepy doll in the attic that looks out. People say the house is haunted, uh, mostly because there's this dude who keeps showing up uh, and harassing the old lady that lives there until she murders him. And then it turns out he's immortal. So he's just comes back the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh and she has called the police about this several times and they're like, look, we we can't report a murder. You are admitting to a murder with no body. What are we supposed to do here?
2: Yeah, especially when the person he murders comes back right in front of the police and says, no nope, I'm still alive.
1: So I I guess the runabout of this is that it is revealed that um Yuta used to work as like a stable hand for this rich family, of which the eldest daughter um Tsukiko Uh, and the eldest son, uh, Shingo, were very close um, because uh, Shingo was essentially the poster child for a serial killer as a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was happy torturing smaller animals as a child until the point that his sister grabbed a knife away from him so forcefully she accidentally cut his eye out. And from that, she felt guilty and would constantly apologize for his bad behavior up until the point where
2: um, he poisoned her fiance and killed him
1: to which she kind of feels guilty for. And um, their family, being rich, have a secret supply of mermaid flesh, as is want to do as right next to their family dungeon. (laughs) I think they technically don't have a family dungeon. They built one later. They Uh,
2: built one in the basement.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Essentially, what happens is she feeds them both mermaid flesh because at this point, her family just knows that's a powerful poison because no one survives it. Uh, Mm. Unfortunately, um, she just dies peacefully and nothing happens to him. He's immortal. Uh, So cut back to the present day. Um, He has come back to harass Um, the family that now lives there is the woman who owns the house and a servant girl who moved back into the house for some reason.
2: Sugiko uh, was
1: like kind of the woman who's like most afraid of Shingo. She she was the
2: one who let him out when she was a servant, when Mm -hmm. she was a kid. And then her sister like also has moved in with her now and she doesn't really know the full context of what is going on. Because she didn't work there uh, during the period where like Mm-hmm. You know, all this stuff with Shingo uh, stacked and then b- being locked up happened.
1: Uh, Shingo got locked away when uh, his sister poisoned herself because she was no longer there to protect him. And
2: yeah, so his father locked him away.
1: I assume if you're a father in a traditional Japanese household, uh if you hate a child, you just lock them in the family dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Because this has now happened three times. He has been locked in there until he gets let out. He runs around and they both die immediately from the poison and are buried. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh he digs himself out from the grave and the father beats him, going like the wrong child survived. Um at some point he steals his sister's eye.
2: Yeah, so no, what
1: after he-, he
2: like escaped
3: he
1: mm-hmm.
2: was let out, escapes and like attacked like Suhiko. he found like the doll that what yeah. was made of her his sister's mm. corpse, and then like, he steals her eye at that yeah. point.
0: Well, it was never a doll. It was her body was, again, preserved by the mermaid yeah. poison.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's like her corpse. Basically. Which, which, again, is a thing the characters aren't aware of, but also kind of are. It's it's a mystery that, for the reader, is very impactful. It's, looking back to summarize, it's kind of a few hurdles to jump through. yeah. But uh, the main thing is Shingo has always been like, frankly, a piece of shit. And what he loves doing is murdering women that look like his sister and then coming back to the house to brag about it to the old women. Um, Unfortunately, what happens when he murder, he's just about to murder the the eye he stole from his sister flashes to the picture of him ripping out her eye from her corpse
2: no when he strangled uh, her when when she died
1: oh and i thought he... it w- i thought it was when he was taking the eye out but okay it's it's of him killing yeah. her then and um he's just like oh what an awful thing to constantly be reminded of that just totally kills the mood when i'm murdering that <laughs> is his motivation <laughs> is is like dude i really wish i could murder but i keep getting this weird sister guilt if that could just go yeah. away i could keep murdering and i'm like he is not redeemable at all no he comes to the conclusion that uh he recognizes yuta from when he was there and he's just like oh he must be immortal and then oh the doll must be there and yuta and him have like a really elaborate fight where he starts off with a gun and then pulls out a pump action shotgun (laughs) and there is so much gunfire the neighbors next door go like hey should we we call the police, and then the mom's just like, the police never do anything. They must be listening to the TV too loud. I'm like, yeah. lady, there's a lot of gunfire coming from this house.
0: The idea <laughs> is that they've heard, like, this is the neighborhood where they've heard everything, and previously, yeah. like, they've, they've called the cops, like, a hundred times, and nothing ever came from it.
2: Yeah. So, it's, yep. so that's why they're ignoring it. so are like, saying, ah, it's probably nothing. This it's kind a- of stuff happens in this house all the
3: time.
1: It's a funny panel in um mm-hmm. modern context though. Uh, Shingo, we... Shingo pulling out a shotgun just from I guess his cloak is really funny because it's so uh, big. Where how is he hiding it and also, it all the side? If if your goal is to just murder everyone, start with the shotgun. He starts yeah. off with a pistol, like uh, but um yeah, so they bring him down to the doll that's not in the basement, it's in the super basement that they built during World War II as a bomb shelter. Upon finding the doll, he goes like, yes, I'm haunted by her memory. I, Well, the re- he gets revealed is what he's saying. Like, I'm seeing through her eyes. I don't think she died when she ate the mermaid poison. I think she's just mm-hmm. been stuck in that body. And that is enough for Yuta to go like, well, OK, if she's just been stuck, not able to move, we should put her out of her misery. So they come down. They have a big old samurai sword. Shingo's going to do it. And Yuta's just like, no, I'm not giving you the satisfaction. She deserves better than that, Uh, grabs it, uh, cuts off the doll's head and then goes uh, and then Shingo's just like, well, cool, I am now guilt free. I'm going to go back to murdering. And then Yuta's just like, no, I'm not letting you leave. I don't know why you thought that was going to happen. I'm going to kill you now. And he definitely tries. uh, (laughs) But he still
2: sees the vision of him. And and you were right. It was him reaching out to steal his sister's eye.
1: Yeah, because. Shingo then is strangling Yuta because he's just stronger than Yuta, which is an amazing feat.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) And while he's killing him, the vision flashes back and he's just like, oh no, it's not going to ever go away, is it? Well, if I'm constantly going to have sister guilt when I'm murdering, I guess there's no point in living at all. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) then he just puts the blade to the back of his neck. He's like, do it. And I'm just like, Shingo, you could also just stop murdering. No, nope. it's too hard.
2: <laughs> well, he's reconciled with like the ugliness of himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing that he's trying to ignore and saying, like, "Oh no, this is just like my sister cursing me." No, mm-hmm. now he has to reconcile with the fact that no, this is kind of my own guilt and awareness of what I am. You human,
1: like, um, human emotions. Right. I'm trying I, to be a psychopath. I don't want to live with this.
2: You win, sister. Yeah. You, you've got us. for me. There's also the ambiguity of like whether the doll that they just got up really is the the corpse, because it's very bloodless, the decapitation. Mm -hmm. But not only that, the eye that falls off and shatters is not the same... Eye mm-hmm. that uh, Jingo stole. What should have probably been the still flesh eye is revealed to be a glass eye. So either both of the eyes were replaced as glass eyes, or that
1: this it was body of her sister
2: was always a doll. And that's kind of the theory Mana has at the end too.
1: Yeah, like that Jingo yeah.
2: is just kind of cursed with his own. Guilt.
1: That, that that Jingo might just straight up have a glass eye in is the yeah. other thing. Like.
2: That's the ambiguity. It could be Mm -hmm. that the eyes were both replaced with glasses or like it was never her body to begin with. It was just... Mm -hmm. Well,
0: I mean, the one thing that would dispel that is that he claims to be able to look out of the other eye as if it was like living tissue.
2: Right. I think, yeah, the original (laughs) that he got the eye from was her. But like now this doll, is it still the corpse of the sister or is it just a doll
1: or did it's, they bury the doll after like yeah yeah it's it's interesting and
2: has he always really been able to see out or is he just seeing this vision mm-hmm so and it's just like a um psychological mental thing
1: yeah then we uh hit the final saga we read uh, which is mermaid's mask which uh really drove home the point that they just love titling these mermaids something because uh, yeah. the last three have been hard to differentiate based on name alone. But um,
2: There's definitely an English localization thing. Um, oh, is
1: it? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, then I've got some problems with this start because <laughs> it starts off with a kid murdering his mom. Again. And, and then it jump cuts. Yeah, That's another thing is I first time I was reading this until they said the kid's name. I thought Masato was back. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but, no, the kid looks... Re- now it looks very similar to Masada. Like, not exactly similar, but uh, you could be confused if they were the same.
1: But, yeah, so... A murder happens, and then we jump cut to a kid being kidnapped by a dude. You would think those are sequentially tied to each other, but you would be wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, uh 'cause Because it, it gets revealed later that is not the same kid, but... I don't know. It's, uh... It's a decent enough flashback. It's just a bit of a... It,
2: it, the chronology is meant to mislead you. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, it is purposefully misleading. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, So essentially, there is a kid by the name of Nanao. He has been kidnapped, it's found out, uh, by a man. He jumps out of the window of a moving car, rolls on the ground out of a moving car, which is amazing, uh, survives with a lot of like scraped legs and everything, and winds up on the side of a river where Utah and Mana found out the plot's happening, so they run into him. And seeing this injured child, they're like, oh wow, what's going on here? And he's like, hold on, I gotta take my medicine. He eats something and then his wounds immediately heal. And they're like, hold on, that's magic. Uh and he is returned home to his family. Um his mom is there uh and grandma is not happy to see he is back where she talks to Yuta and goes, he was supposed to leave. He is not safe here. And so they suspect that
2: because his wounds are healing so quickly that he might be one of them. They don't know for sure, but yeah. there's, it's just something's going on.
1: And then and we get a uh, scene of the mom opening the box the boy had run away with. And it is an urn full of ashes. But more importantly, there is also a human face in it. Yeah, but a scar. We cut to um, Utah and Amana have gotten odd jobs at the fishery, which just seems to be their normal thing, is either a construction site or a fishery. Utah notices the guy that was in the car?
2: Yeah, the guy that had seemingly tried to kidnap them now before. He approaches I... them again.
1: How does Utah recognize the kidnapper? Did he ever see him before? Because I know well, Utah
2: doesn't recognize him. Oh. now says that's the guy who kidnapped me. Gotcha. Okay. okay, I'm going to talk to him.
1: Gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense. So he heads off to follow him. Meanwhile, um, Nanao and Mana hang out where they start um, cleaning up the storage area in the house, and Utah uh, follows the guy who has decided to meet. He calls up some woman and they meet on a hill where it is the same. Nanao's mother walks into the storage unit and this woman walks out. She has a completely different face. Mm-hmm. Which we also reveal is the same face as in a very weird scene. The grandma shows um, both of them what Nanao and the mom look like. And it's a picture of them, but they don't look quite the same. Mm-hmm it's it's odd but um, what we eventually come to is uh, the kidnapper meets with the woman on the bridge uh, on the cliff and goes mom, what's going on here? And everyone watching, you to include, is like that woman is younger than him what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially uh, he goes, I want my son back uh, his mom goes, nope, and pushes him off the cliff <laughs>
0: Talk about mother's love. Yeah, no. She acknowledges that is her son. Yep. But no. uh, (laughs) No, I have a new
2: son, younger and better.
0: That is my grandson.
2: But yes.
1: Which is essentially what Yuta goes like, hold on, what did you just do? And she's like, oh, there was a witness, time to stab. And as (laughs) she's stabbing him, the bandage comes off and her face is scarred, Mm. which is at this point, it's revealed that's the same as the human face that was in the urn. Mm -hmm. He is obviously immortal, so he wakes up without problem uh, and climbs down the cliff to find the man who reveals himself to be my name is also Nanao. That was my mother. Me and her ate mermaid flesh. Nothing really happened to me other than this scar on my shoulder. She got a scar on her face, but now she hasn't aged for 25 years. She came back into my life eight years ago and stole my son. I was very sad about that and have been trying to find them ever since.
0: I mean, and, without the mermaid flesh, this just sounds like a fact of, like, overbearing grandparents.
2: Yeah. No. <laughs> what? The, the you weird... never
3: let me see my grandchild!
2: Grandparents stealing
1: your kid. It's like, yeah. And, like, no. the weird thing is, the only way he even finds out about this is his mom goes back to live with her mom, which is his grandmother. hmm The grandmother immediately calls him. Why mm-hmm. would she go back to her mother's house? I think she's trying to
2: recapture, I guess, that loss. Yeah, but it's just kind of silly
0: because they keep it in the family. It's like, yeah. so you went to my grandma's. So you went to grandma's house. You stole your grandchild because you're trying to relive like the whole mother-son dynamic. You screwed your own.
3: She for, I son. I mean,
2: the answer she's <laughs> clearly not right. Yeah, And yeah. yeah. she's motivated by like nostalgia. She <laughs> she
1: clearly hid successfully for six years, though, is the big yeah. thing. Yeah. And then decided recently to move back in with grandma, who immediately called her grandson. Which, good on her. Mm. Grandma has done nothing wrong. Um, oh, yeah, literally she's like, "Why is my daughter unaged, and why is she stole
0: my grand my great-grandchild? What is going on?
1: <laughs> well, that's going on. uh Mana has been searching around the storehouse uh where because the scarred woman's out, she finds Nanau the child nanau's mother's face in a box and just goes, "Hold on, that's the woman I just talked to who's his mother. Oh no." And at that point, um, Nanao's mother walks in, sees that she has seen this and go, well, you can't live, uh, and attacks her. And then Mm -hmm. she cuts off her own face to put back on the other one because Mm -hmm. Mana has escaped. Yeah, Mana escapes
2: with Nanao and she tries to get the face that Nanao recognizes as his mother's face so Mm -hmm. that she can you know, yeah, kind of trick him into going with him and uh, her and, like, eating the mermaid flesh. Because Nanao, at this point, Mm -hmm. doesn't know that the woman that had just attacked him and Mana was, like, his mother. Because the face was different.
1: And we we get a flashback establishing that uh, the reason why uh, Nanao and his... the older Nanao and his mom uh, ate the mermaid flesh was because um, Nanao's father was going to take the child away. Um, And the mom decided, I know I'd rather die than lose my son. So she poisoned both of them, leading me to believe there was a very good reason the father was going to gain custody of the child. But um...
2: (laughs) not the most stable person.
1: Yeah, clearly. Uh, When she finds out that she survived, uh, he didn't. So because both of them survived the poison. So she Mm -hmm. still had her son taken away because nothing changed.
2: Yeah, if anything, um, the case for uh, the child to be in the father's he only grew
1: yep. And essentially what she did was she watched her son live from the shadows until he had a son that was roughly the same age he was when...
0: It's even more bizarre. No. That's even more bizarre because it's not so much I'm longing for my child. You got to see your child grow up. You knew he was happy and healthy. Right. Well, she couldn't be a
2: part of his life. She mm-hmm. had to watch him from a distance, and when she saw that, like he had a, a child of his own, and it looked very similar, like him, that's what triggered this idea of her to like steal him and like raise him as like if she, you know, the now that she never could yeah. raise herself.
1: And it's himself. at this point that it's fully revealed that the deal with um the younger now taking his medicine is that um, she has been slowly grinding up smaller and smaller bits of the mermaid ash into a powder that he has been feeding with the theory that that will build his tolerance so that when he finally eats the mermaid flesh, he will gain immortality and not just die because she is very aware of the fact that the majority of people who eat the flesh die. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, which is great because a lot of people are not, as we previously touched upon. Yeah. It's not 100%.
1: You know, for a woman who is going to have her son removed from her custody for some reason, uh, Nanao's mom knows a lot about mermaids.
0: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, essentially what gets in is there is a huge fight. It eventually comes down to um, the mother uh taking the younger Nanao up and saying like, no, come on, we don't have a lot of time. You've got to eat this. Um, And he's just like, I'll do whatever you say, mom. And at that point, uh, she is revealed that her scar has come back onto her new face. Mm -hmm. And she kind of gets hit with like a wave of realization, like, wait, no. Oh, no, there's no fix. I'm going to be in pain for because the scars are painful. It's revealed. And Mm -hmm. like this is never going away. I am constantly going to be in pain. This is an existence of suffering that I am going to put my son through. And she kind yeah. of freezes with that realization. as. It, her...
2: oh. Yeah, it's like symbolic. The scar, like, more, well, just being physically pain was also kind of symbolic of, like, kind of the guilt of her trying to poison her son and stuff like that. So it, she'll always have to live with a reminder of, like, what she's done in her life.
1: And, like, um... It's at that point, Mana runs into the scene, uh, swats his hand down. It's like, do not eat that. That's no stop. That's bad. Um, that's when Yuta kind of comes in. She's like, you know, you or does Mana say this? I Yuta think it's Yuta. Says you
2: should have been the one to stop him. And then yeah. he admits that she was just too weak to mm-hmm. bring herself to do that.
1: Yep. And then she just goes, I know I've kidnapped a child for many years and probably done a lot of other stuff. I'm just going to go exist somewhere else and you'll never see me again. And everyone involved is like, cool. That's probably for the best. Mm-hmm. And then we get some exposition that uh, Nanao's father is going to raise him now. Yeah. Even though his son does not know who he is, which is going to take some adjusting. Grandma could probably do a lot of vouching, but...
2: Yeah, another tragic vent of it. like, now yeah. he has to kind of, like, reacclimate to, like, uh, his Father and like his mu- real mother, and it's, it's a tragedy. Is also that he did genuinely care about uh, his grandmother as his actual mother, which is why he was willing to eat the flesh. So
3: mm-hmm.
2: yep. that's another sad thing. And also, there's the implication that uh, Nanau's mother committed suicide shortly after she left uh, everyone, because there's this comment about it being a mysterious fire, and they found like a woman's body
1: for the uh, end of the saga.
2: Nanau asked. You and Mana, like, will they see, will he see them again? And like, Yuta also comes before this, oh, it's cool. Like, cause now I'm saying, oh, you know, I'm I'm seeming to grow an inch taller, you and just coming, oh, great, you're it's growing, that's a sign that you're aging, you know, implication like that. But yeah, but the series ends with now, like asking, hey, will I see you guys again? And then they say, hey, you know, maybe when you're growing up, and we might not recognize you, but you'll recognize us. Because, you know, we're a and we'll say the same age, and end in appearance.
1: I also thought that was a really good, like, ending thing to say for the end of the anthology. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, we might show up again in the future. You'll recognize us, because we're not the same.
2: It's a good open-ending note, because Mm -hmm. the technically Mermaid Saga never really ended. It just stopped. Like, Takashi, Mm -hmm. like, again, she was doing these stories, like, a yearly or every other year for a period of ten years, but then, like, she just kind of ended up not following up on the series yeah. uh, since then. But I
3: mean,
2: then she has commented uh, before that, like, she'd never really considered the series to be over-over, and she's open to returning with it. So the ambiguity here is also kind of a nice note of, like, you might see these guys again. Yeah. You know, you might grow up, and it might be a long time, but, you know, there's always a possibility that uh, another Mermaid Saga story could pop up. There's also a nice like kind of meta note, but I appreciate it.
1: And uh, with that, our reading uh, came to a close as we've actually read all of Mermaid Saga. So good on yeah, us.
3: Yeah,
1: um, but uh, as we always like to do at the end of the episode, we got some discussion topics uh, and Lum, you're our guest. So uh, let's start with you. Uh, who was your favorite character in Mermaid Saga?
2: Rereading it, I really do appreciate Mana's character and like her growth in the story. Like, you know, she starts off uh, having been kind of coddled and kind of living a sheltered life to be, a, you know, a bit of a child. Like, she kind of mistreats the, the nanny that other people, and honestly, like, they are kind of, you know, keeping her captive. But, like, it's clear that she kind of has, like, a more selfish streak to her early on in the story. But then, like, as she grows closer to Utah... You know, she generally is uh, achieves uh, something that she long yearned for in like someone who is a companion who would treat her like an equal. And she also will go out of the way to risk put her life on the line and put herself at risk in the same way Utah will for uh, her, and not just for Utah, She'll do that for other people she cares about, like Big Eyes, uh, like uh Ninao and other characters in harm's way mm-hmm. So i like that heroic streak i like that she's a really proactive protagonist too like even if she was like like in hurt, like in the mermaid scar story where she's like bound up by the barbed wire like she like wiggles herself out even though it's like cutting her up mm-hmm. and again like she breaks through the glass like yep. with her own body yep. uh, to get to yuta and like yells at nasada saying like yo you hurt yuta you know, I'll come after you no matter how yours it takes, I will hunt you down. Like, she has a lot of cool <laughs> moments
0: like
1: that. So, I appreciate her character a lot. And cool. Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, Jay, who was your favorite character?
0: Um, hands down, I would have to say it was Utah, And it's just because mm-hmm. he's just sort of a general, general character who generally wants to see the best in humanity. Well, it's just a good, I guess, immortal human himself.
1: Look, um, Utah is S-grade boyfriend material. We've gone yeah. over that, like.
2: Especially if you love them sad. Yeah, they're all angsty about their own
1: existences. Oh, did you have anything else to say about that, Jay?
0: Oh, what in particular about how no. Utah is just great? Or no, look,
1: if, if that's your full sentence, I can just do mine. That's fine.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. I, he uh,
0: speaks uh, for yeah. himself.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Yuta's a strong pick. Um, Just to be a little different, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Toa from Mermaid Forest just because she really owns being the villain of that uh, saga. And like the lack of karmic justice at the end, I really love like I love someone working so hard for like ill ends and then not getting what they want just at the end. Like when it hurts yeah. the most for them, like she and the fact that we have the doctor come in and just like, I gave her the opportunity to leave multiple times, just erases like any of the like, oh no, she was a victim of her circumstance. No, she chose to be there out of like this desperate want for revenge and did not even get that at the end. And like, I, I just really appreciate that in a villain. Uh, so yeah, uh, out of all the villains, she would be my favorite. Uh, you obviously best character, but, That goes without saying. For the fun, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Masato. uh, Yeah. Just because I currently have the most screen caps of him. (laughs) Masato's
2: right. Yeah. I mean, to answer the next question, Mermaid's uh, Scar uh, or. Yeah, like that has always been the most memorable story to me and a lot of that is because of Masato as a character and just how like kind of eerie and chilling he is. But also like just how insanely hardcore he is with all his like little tricks in the fight with him and Yuta. And the fact that he's the person who really comes closest to killing Yuta for good in (laughs) terms of like chopping his head off. So. He's definitely like a really great antagonist and really
1: cool. Cool. Uh, Jay, what was uh, your favorite story from this anthology?
0: I would say the village of the fighting fish. I would have liked to see how that played out. And honestly, the modern day ones were interesting, but it was just more, I guess I just like threw back Utah and his trials (laughs) and tribulations, you know, back when the whole mermaid, I want to say lore was in full throttle.
1: Yeah, like, mm. I I liked Yuta better also when he was playing the field and not tied down by mana. You're right.
0: <laughs> I don't think he was still tied down by mana. I mean...
1: You're right, he's not, but...
0: <laughs> I mean, he's just full on. He married once, he made a commitment, sought that commitment out through the end, and now he realized, I never want to go through that again.
1: <laughs> well, oh, not 100% on that, but he d- he does keep bailing. And then uh, for me, I know we kind of skimmed over it, but I think I actually liked Mermaid's Gaze the most. It was it had like the most like of a thriller kind of feel. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's really hard to summarize. But like while reading, it was the most enjoyable for me because you're constantly like, oh, this person knew more than they were letting on. And this part. Oh, no. And then it kept stacking up. Um, mm. Shingo definitely um, falls off the rails a little near the end. And I I do mock him a little, but at that point while reading i had already like been on board long enough that the ham at the end just made everything more fun so um mm-hmm. yeah uh mermaid's gaze i think would be my favorite um yeah but uh with that um that brings us to the end of the episode uh once again uh lum thanks for coming on uh you were really fun to have on and we talked about a lot of stuff uh you want to remind everyone uh, if they want to hear more from you
2: yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun to chat the series with you guys. And yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I uh, Once again, the Maver- Mavericks curse was in full effect. I think this did balloon. But uh, <laughs> if you are interested in hearing more of me talk on podcasts, I do hosts uh, a few including manga mavericks a show where we talk about manga as a medium industry and do a lot of uh, cool series retrospectives uh quite lengthy and in depth uh, in a similar vein and you can follow that on twitter at manga Store mavericks and we're on every kind of podcast platform you can think of uh, Apple Pie, Spotify, Stitcher and that. And the same is true of my. If you want more uh, discussions of your say, uh, I mean Rumiko Takahashi manga in particular, you can check out my podcast Lump Squad, which is about Rumiko's like first series and my favorite series, Atsura. And we cover like the uh, visits, current releases of the manga, and we're covering like the movies now that they're available on Control and on uh, Blu-ray. So we're having a lot of fun doing that. You can follow that on Twitter at Lumb underscore Squad, and on every podcast platform you can think of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatnot. And if you, and beyond my podcast, if you like the art I make uh, for my podcast and art and illustrations I make in general, you can follow my Instagram, at SidArtWorks. Cool. And, uh, oh, you can also read uh, my reviews on uh, com. We recently rebranded from all comic to Manga Mavericks. So, uh, actually, after rereading Mermaid Saga, I am inspired to write a, a review of it. So, hopefully, that'll be up uh, by the time you're listening to this. So yeah, you can it, check out some of my reviews on there as well.
1: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be sure to link that in the podcast description below. Yep. And uh, as always, uh, if you want to hear more from us, uh, you can follow us at OverMangaCast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, it's a... Very easy name to get on a lot of things. Uh, YouTube, we're also over MangaCast there. Um, if you like commenting on individual episodes, uh, the YouTube episodes go up about uh, two weeks after, and they're really good for individual ones. Uh, as always, if you want to leave a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice, uh, we always appreciate those. And if you have any suggestions for a series you'd like us to read in the future, um, just go ahead, reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, yell at us for opinions, whatever you want. We're really receptive to most things. Uh, but anyway, um, we've got another uh, week lined up. Uh, unfortunately, no uh, Sam and Jacob next week. I'm sure they'll have some other wacky adventure they're going on. But uh, we will be reading uh, Blue Giant Volumes 1 and 2, and we might just have another guest on. We'll see. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, good night. Good night. Sayonara.